0: This is ever so much more diverting than the theater.
1: (laughs) Takes me back to my time in the
2: war.
0: Don't forget to take a donut.
1: (laughs) That is going to be sticky.
0: Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that caters to the carriage trade. I'm Kelly Anakin. And
1: I'm Tom Schneider.
0: We are properly married.
1: I gave you my childbearing years. You realize that? uh no, oh did I not well, then that's on me then yeah if i didn't mention it
0: really said something yeah
1: no that's uh no, yeah sorry wow, mm mm-hmm.
0: no end of surprises with you I,
1: I i I like to delight
0: <laughs> childbearing. <laughs> welcome back cousins for another fun episode of mr selfridge fun
1: Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) that is what we're looking forward to in this podcast yes
0: fun mr selfridge fun
1: it's the best kind of fun
0: it really is especially if it's got lensless hipster glasses (laughs) oh lord so uh okay first of all I really think we need to talk again about the Viking River Cruises. <laughs> so there's the smelly old peasant lady, uh, right, who's hugging some old biddy, right, and it, like I like her forehead is touching this woman's cheek, and I'm like, seriously. You don't know that smelly old peasant lady.
1: That's well, I think it's an officially employed and licensed peasant lady who, you know, <laughs> forges a close personal connection with 75 rich old white people every week. You know, <laughs> <laughs>
2: no,
1: it's like, oh, I just sit out here selling flowers.
0: The flowers aren't real.
1: <laughs> Neither are my teeth. <laughs>
0: No, and enjoy a like, cruise no it's like oh uh, it'll it'll change the way you see uh,
1: the the world and, and la- like, landmarks like you get up
0: close and then like uh, like with the river like right usually there's like a frontage
1: road <laughs> oh yeah you
0: can't just
1: and it's like oh these landmarks are surprisingly smelly when you see them from the <laughs> river
0: seriously Viking River Cruises suck it <laughs> we can't even talk about ralph lauren no again there's it's nothing just to be too said. sad yeah and upsetting
1: right uh so moving on uh we do have one or more new countries to report this week i i really sound
0: very confident
1: <laughs> well i realized that i've let my record keeping slip a little bit uh i know what that... would
0: mr crab say
1: uh nothing complimentary <laughs> Uh, But so I know our total went up by one, and it is one of these three countries, which would be Barbados, Sri Lanka, or Guinea. I may have mentioned some of those before, but at least one of them is new, and whoever it is, I welcome them.
0: Are you an obsessive up yours downstairs (laughs) listener? Do you know which is the new country? If so, we want to hear your story. We're
1: also surprised to hear it, but uh, (laughs) still wouldn't mind, actually.
0: Yeah, that would be nice.
1: (laughs) So, with that out of the way, uh, it's time for telegrams from our cousins.
0: Hooray! <laughs> Just slide it under the door!
1: <laughs> We're busy.
0: <laughs> We're not. <laughs> no. First up, we have a telegram from Scott. Dearest Cousins, my impression was that the Jeremy Piven-slash-Linny-esque mini-interview about the car crash was actually a cleverly spun story not meant to be taken seriously. There's no way in hell that the producers would take the risk of such damage to a vintage automobile, much less allow someone to drive a car who admittedly did not have a clue how to drive it. If you look at the incredibly cheaply shot scene involving the crash, which is about as amateurish as the tornado scene in The Wizard of Oz, it is evident to me that Mr. Piven was in the car in a studio and that the camera and lightning folks did all the heavy lifting. I was half expecting the visage of Margaret Hamilton to show up on screen, cackling, I'll get you, my Harry. The whole thing was that surreal. This scene makes the Matthew death car scene in Downton Abbey look like a tour de force of cinematic genius. By God... (laughs) By contrast, the Selfridge crash was like something out of Pee-wee's Playhouse, except completely unintentional in its level of cheese. I think Jeremy Piven had to know this and was somewhat embarrassed by this, so he came up with this story as a wink-wink to the audience. I'm surprised that PBS would allow this level of subtlety, because really, think about the average PBS viewer, or benefactors, like... Conrad prebis and <laughs> debbie turner and how seriously they would take a behind the scenes interview like this indeed it seems that you my smart intelligent thorough cousins may have been taken in hook line and sinker but in the end i'll still take those interstitials with the actors over Lenny's dribble any day this is not to say that i do not love your supersized podcast which remain awesome but oh. i had to say something and i'm wondering if any other listeners subscribe to my theory or lodge similar concerns you could even ask your listeners, have you ever taken seriously anything Jeremy Piven has said? We want to hear your story. Your Kentucky cousin, Scott. That letter was really funny, everybody. Yes. Uh,
1: <laughs> well done.
0: I I did not remember how funny it was before I started reading it. Well done, Scott. Yeah. Conrad Prebis and Debbie Turner. Yeah. That's a deep cut.
1: That That is. That's a deep cut. We're impressed.
0: Uh, so, yeah. Okay. A couple of things to say. The Wizard of Oz was nominated for a number <laughs> of oscars as it was made in the year 1939 uh, right not the year 2012 or 13 whenever they completed principal photography right right so i think we can kind of let them off the hook a little bit <laughs> a
1: little bit there
0: um no we have never taken seriously anything <laughs> has said. i mean ser- yeah we- <laughs> i just it's just so painful to, it's like uh, how did you describe it
1: It's like he has to give a book report. Right, he's giving a book (laughs) 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 report. And it's just like, I, I, he just, We're speechless. We're speechless.
0: speechless. And I just, look, uh, Cousin Scott, we do love you, but really, I don't think that Jeremy Piven is capable of that level of subtlety. uh, Like, every time I watch him doing those interstitials, I just imagine his manager, like, making huge (laughs) hard motions to him, trying to get him to say the next word. Right, He just, he always just seems so baffled by why he's doing this. Or it's like
1: he's completely forgotten the show and has just read the, like, show description before doing the interview yeah, yeah. and that's all he's going like off the completed
0: of. filming like six months ago and they're like oh we we're putting this on in America so I need you to do some stuff yeah
1: and I mean I will say I think you know you underestimate to an extent the ridiculous things that people will go through when they realize they don't know how to get a shot that they need and they've only got you know six hours to get the shot yeah so it's it's not inconceivable to me but uh you know there's some valid valid some valid skepticism there yes definitely <laughs>
0: Oh, and seriously, the creator of this show, or as we like to call him, eyeliner, he was in rare form today because he, he kept saying that line about the carriage trade. Right. And he was like, and I liked it so much, I thought I'm going to put it in the show.
1: <laughs> and, uh, right. That's, that's, that was really what convinced him that this is the story he wanted to tell, was yeah. the phrase carriage trade.
0: It came to him in the bathtub <laughs> like a bolt of lightning.
1: Great moments. In history.
0: Bathtubs. (laughs) (laughs) Colon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Laura, who writes, My dearest cousins Kelly and Tom, I wanted to let you know how much I am enjoying your coverage of Mr. Selfridge. You guys are so smart and so funny. I'm very much looking forward to see what you have lined up next. Thank you for having the best damn podcast on the planet. Much love, y'all. Cousin Laura, a.k.a. Lady Lushington. (laughs)
0: That's a very short letter. And it praises us very highly, which sometimes I won't
1: Right, right. I won't
0: pull because you it's, know
1: yeah, yeah. we like
0: to at least keep up, you know, the barest veneer of humility. <laughs> right. But I thought the name Lady Lushington was the best thing ever.
1: So <laughs> yeah, well, So uh, well done, cousin uh, Laura. Indeed.
0: Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Donnell. My dearest cousins, Kelly and Tom, thank you ever so much for your podcast covering Pete's Classics, Mr. Selfridge. Had you not chosen it, I would probably have never watched, and it is proving to be just the balm I need for a time of difficult personal changes. As mentioned in a previous missive, I am recovering from membership in a very patriarchal religious organization. Watching Downton Abbey with its archaic system of male dominance has become increasingly difficult for me. Bad enough that Lord Grantham, although unskilled at handling finances, was the sole decider on all things related to the family money, to the near ruination of all. Plenty to hate about that. But when his daughter was giving birth, and his experienced wife begged to do what she knew to be right, then, despite her protestations, he and his uppity male friend made the decisions on that most female of all enterprises, the result being that we lost our precious Sybil in an excruciating death. Well, I had enough of the Mr. Bossy hardhead, Lord, love your dog, not your daughters, and all the stupid society structures that allowed such a horror to happen. So I pretty much gave up on DA. But I could not give up on you, my wonderful Tom and Kelly, so I watched as a means of enriching my listens of your podcast. Lo and behold, along came Mr. Selfridge and the wonderful stories of women sending forth into a new world. This show was helping me so much to disentangle from my old way of thinking. For example, I see in Mr. Grove a representation of the better men of my former church, kind in their way, but blind to the harm done to women as they justified their decisions according to the needs of the male." Watching him put himself first as if meeting his personal desires is a given and not apparently not even considering that it might be right to sacrifice for the one he loves is infuriating to see and sadly familiar. Ms. Martle represents for me the woman in a time of soci- of societal transition living in the new ways but terribly hurt by the values of the old. And then there is my hero, Agnes Towler. Oh, how I love how she is determined to set her own course in life, even as she is, by personal nature, quiet and kind. The scene which epitomized the new woman for me was the one in which she and George were taking a meal in her apartment while their tyrannical father rattled the latch at the door. She looked to the needs of her family, in this case, her brother, with calmness and good cheer, kept her mind on enjoying life, in this case, a meal, and quietly went about her business despite assenting voices, in this case, her drunken parent." Beautiful. Thank you, my cousins, for introducing me to this gratifying show. On a related note, I was recently finally able to watch Wilde with the marvelous Stephen Fry, and I was struck by how much the life of Oscar Wilde paralleled that of Harry Gordon Selfridge. I lamented that there were only two hours to get to know the man and his family, but then I imagined the Selfridges, whom we have come to know quite well due to the nature of a mini-series, and the story became just that much more affecting. Imagine Rose if their fortune had been squandered on Harry's lovers, and she was then subjected to personal illness and in physical pain. Imagine the family if those children eventually refused to see their father ever again imagine harry serving two years in hard labor what a tragic tragic story of a man who like harry selfridge adored his wife and children but with an apparently more tender and sensitive soul so awful the story is an example of how a patriarchal system is damaging to gay men as well as to women so sad but let me end my letter on a happier tone and congratulate tom on some of the best quips in the history of the up yours downstairs podcast this series Our favorite around here was, no, I'm pretty sure the first rule of poker is to deal out five cards to each player. (laughs) We laughed so hard over that, and that was just one of many choice moments. You guys fill my life with chuckles and laughs. And Kelly, please do keep up the we-want-to-hear-your-story invitations. They are my favorite, too. Loving you both from the wilds of the state of Washington, your cousin, Donnell. P.S. I might be persuaded to enjoy Downton Abbey again if Mary was transformed into a Lady May sort of character. She has the V for it. She could be marvelous and transform the place. What do you think? The world needs more Lady Mays, right? So right.
1: Well, the world certainly needs more Lady Mays. We can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what she has the V for it means.
0: No, I think it means her vagina of death.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Oh.
0: But Lady May's Cousins. Do you know what kind of V Mary has?
1: <laughs> if so, we want to hear your story. Yeah, Lady May's vagina never killed anyone. That we know of. Well, I mean, you know, uh that uh, snotty nosed little brat seems to be doing fine.
0: <laughs> Who, Tony Travers. Yeah,
1: that's his name.
0: <laughs> I was like, Gordon? <laughs> no, I think I think it is really cool that these shows exist. Mm-hmm. And that they can, you know, take the opportunity to kind of show us how far we've come, but also, you know, serve as this reminder of how far there is still to go in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. And and also thank you, uh, Cousin Danelle, for giving a very good explanation of why uh, you and us and many other people prefer the story of Mr. Selfridges Mm -hmm. to uh, that of Downton Abbey, at least in latter seasons. Yes. Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Paige, who writes, Cousins! In your last podcast, you mentioned that you weren't bothered by the music in Gatsby. On that, we will have to agree to disagree. And let me say, I'm not a snob about anachronism or Lerman. I loved the music from Moulin Rouge. But I'm wondering if you were annoyed by the promotional music from Mr. Selfridge. Several of the trailers and short features for Selfridge on the PBS website use Sing 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 as bumper or background music. That song was not written until 1936, and its composer, Louis Prima, was not even born yet when Selfridge's opened in London. 27 years off is pretty serious artistic license, especially if you consider how much popular music changed between 1909 and 1936. Conversely, I don't think 27 years is far enough off to be interesting in a Moulin Rouge or fine Gatsby way. So I'm thinking it was just laziness, and I wonder if that decision wasn't made by someone not involved with the actual production of Mr. Selfridge, since the music used in the show is awesome and totally appropriate sounding. On an unrelated and totally self-promotional note, I am probably the only cousin to have read Black Edwardians. To be truthful, I couldn't get completely through it. But I did cite it in my book, Music in the Chautauqua Movement, in store September 15th. That was the self-promotional part. Because he discusses Jason Balmer, who formed several musical groups of African children, toured them all around the English-speaking world, and abandoned them whenever and wherever he ran out of money. And on that happy note, thank you both for the best podcast ever. Your musicological cousin, Paige.
0: Uh, yeah, I haven't even heard that promotional
1: bumper. Yeah, we haven't either. We would we agree with your uh dislike of it. At least I do. I mm-hmm. you know, that I mean it's not it doesn't fit the show. I agree.
0: Well, it's a show with a lot of tonal problems. It is anyway. a show with a lot of
1: and uh anachronism problems as we will discuss even more in this podcast.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: Uh But yes, and uh, I'm excited to hear about your book as it sounds like a great present for my mother, (laughs) which is something I'm always looking for.
0: Next, we have a telegram from Mrs. Grant. Dear Sir Tom and Lady Kelly, that was possibly the funniest episode you've recorded so far. I laughed so hard every time you said Fat Thomas, Kirsten Dunst, Mustache and boring gordon victor does look like a tony and his pasty complexion made him look like a vampire and he has absolutely no chemistry with agnes no matter what gordon's the worst he is insensitive and almost downright cruel he seemed to like the fact that his father might die what a jerk but once you started to laugh at his terrible acting skills i was looking forward to your recounting of his dazed walk into the store and i was not disappointed i laughed so hard i almost choked And that evil, evil Beatrice. She's just awful. Even when I was at that age, I would never jeopardize my mom like that. But when one of you said, it's just one six because she's a child, I almost peed my pants. Tom, I'm afraid that I would make you feel nervous by pointing it out, but your French accent is excellent. It's hilarious. Please do more of it. And I'm a total Mr. LeClaire and Agnes shipper. They're just gorgeous together. And the chemistry. Whoa! Fanning myself. (laughs) Finally, I also cried when Mr. Crabb made that speech when Mr. Selfridge wasn't around. He's so cute. Please listen to my plea and set up an Amazon wish list for us cousins and servants to get you wonderful folks something. I know how much time these podcasts take, and I can't believe you do it for free. Thank you so much for continuing to be amazing. Your humble servant, Mrs. Grant.
1: Thank you. And, uh, yes, I will do my best to forget that you pointed out my French accent, as I will get self conscious. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> and, uh, we'll try to do an Amazon wish list or something.
1: Right.
2: I
0: mean, really, you know, there is, uh, through baldmove.com, there's an Amazon affiliate link. Oh, okay. So if you're going to be shopping on Amazon anyway, uh, if you do it through that, then that'll go into bald move, and that'll trickle down to us somehow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're, you know, we're really hoping that someday we'll be able to figure out something along those lines. Right, but we're right. We're just, again, we're a broken record, but we're, we're, like, really busy.
1: <laughs> we are. <sighs> Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Lauren, who writes, Cheers, Cousins! I just wanted to tell you both how very much I have enjoyed your coverage of Mr. Selfridge. So, just a few random thoughts. If you are looking for a law and order circa 1890, check out Ripper Street on BBC America. It stars Matthew What's-His-Name, who played sexy Mr. Darcy in the Kira Knightley version of Pride and Prejudice. Okay, just a quick comment on the Selfridge kids. What the fuck with young Rosalie's big girl hairdo? It looks like she has a cocker spaniel curled up asleep on her head. She is a lovely looking young woman, but that Gibson girl shit does not look jolly at all. And while I am criticizing, can we put the sublime Frances O'Connor into a color other than cream, beige, or ivory? Please! The finale was great and is making me look so forward to next season, maybe even more than season four of Downton Abbey. Maybe. And when you two refer back to Downton Abbey and quote Mary saying mamar and "Papa," I about pee myself, so keep it up. Thanks for letting me ramble on. I hope you both are well. Yours affectionately, Cousin Lauren.
0: Aw, thank you. You know, it does look like a Cocker Spaniel on her head. That's a fair point. I noticed when we were reviewing the episodes <laughs> for today.
2: <laughs> they yeah.
0: don't have No, it's interesting because I don't think that they have a very good hairstylist or that they're not good at doing their own hair. Right,
1: right. Because, like,
0: it's, you know, Lois and Rose mm-hmm. and Rosalie all kind of look a little bit bedraggled all the time.
1: Yeah. No, I was actually noticing that with Lois today. And, uh, you know, and I also, I don't, I feel like they don't have a choice about Frances O'Connor's colors somehow. Like, it's just like her status somehow or something like that. I don't
0: know, because Lois is always in black, which is pretty standard for a widow. Right, right. Um, No, and I do, and it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I think.
1: I mean, certainly Lady May wears color, but.
0: Right, but she's, you know, she's different.
1: Yeah, I mean. She's She's Lady May. And, you know, she has a controversial past and everything Mm -hmm. like that.
0: And finally, we have a telegram from Cousin Emily. Hi, Cousin Kelly and Cousin Tom. I meant to send this to you some time ago, but alas, life intervenes. I have just listened to You Just Get a Warmer Sound with Horses with Mr. Selfridge to give you a sense of where I am. Firstly, I'd like to say that your podcasts always give a sense of community to me. I'm the only one of my high school friends who watches Mr. Selfridge, so it's great to have another opinion on this show via this podcast. I love the slangs that add to our sense of community. I often call Lady Grantham Mcgee and Mr. Edwards' mustache to the great confusion of my mother. I feel privileged to be part of this community of merriment. I would like to go back a ways and remark on your podcast about Julian Fellow's Titanic and how much I agree with you on its terribleness. I was watching it with my mom en route to Florida, and at the point when the boiler room leaked and Mario just stood there staring at the water, my mom yelled, run! (laughs) My dad tapped her on the shoulder, and she flipped around in her seat with an angry sigh, going, what? My dad timidly replied, you're scaring the other passengers. (laughs) Apparently, my mom said that very loudly for an airplane, with most of the passengers not on headphones. It was quite funny. Also, I'd like to remark on Downton a little. Who doesn't? I think one of its major major attributes is that it connects everyone, a sense of community yet again. I mean, you are both obviously very liberal. I'm pretty conservative, but I still love listening to you guys hate on Thomas or mock Mrs. Patmore. I have to admit, I did stop listening to your Downton podcast because you rubbed off on me. (laughs) I used to love Mr. Bates, but... Now I find myself more on your side. I'm not quite on board with the Shank Bates idea, but I confess he's just annoying and pathetic. I did not want to hate Branson or my favorite scene, Branson's confrontation with Lord Grantham from series two. So I stopped. My last name is Murphy after all. So it's no wonder Branson is my favorite. On a side note, I was Branson for Halloween, double breasted coat and hat with goggles and everything. Someone thought I was a Nazi police. (laughs) When people asked, I said, I'm a revolutionary chauffeur. Although I'm a socialist, not a revolutionary, and I won't always be a chauffeur. It was quite comical. Finally, I'm going to do some shameless marketing. I wrote a children's chapter book based in Gilded Age, Newport, Rhode Island. I did not steal this idea from Mr. Fellows. He stole it from me. <laughs> Nine-year-old Kissimmee Parr in the summer of 1894 is as rich as Mr. Selfridge in hating it. She wants to have fun, and for her, that means doing things only boys can do, like wearing pants or playing billiards. She even does things condemned for both genders of high society, like befriending the staff and poor black girls, all with determined spunk my website is www.emilykmurphy.com if you're interested in looking at it further maybe you can do book reviews thank you so much for your lovely podcast cousin emily uh that's very cool yeah we have such accomplished cousins i really feel like i have not done very much with my life
1: (laughs) (laughs) well we you know we do the podcast they provide the rest
0: that's a good point (laughs) Yes, and I asked actually cousin Emily to send a photo of herself dressed as Branson, and she did, and it's very adorable. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations, cousin Emily, you are cousin of the week this week. Here, here. So we'll post that on Facebook and Twitter, and you can all see what an adorable Branson she made.
1: Yes, and I'd also just like to point out what and uh, what a perennial topic the horribleness of Julian Fellow's Titanic is. People
0: cannot get enough of it. Like, I mean, it's been ages since we did that. Yeah. And people write in about it constantly.
1: And and they're not wrong. It is that bad.
0: Speaking of writing in, <laughs> uh, you can tweet at us. We're at 5MaggieSmiths. That's the number 5. Uh, look us up on Facebook, Up Yours Downstairs. Or you can email us, up yours downstairs at gmail.com. Uh, and so, before we get into the recap proper... We want to just update everybody on the hiatus schedule. Yes, Uh, we are going to do a movie. We have not decided which movie yet. Right. uh, But we'll be covering a movie of some kind uh, in the upcoming podcast after we finish. We've got our the
1: the final Mister Selfridge podcast will be next, and then after that, we'll be doing a movie TBD.
0: And then we will be diving into Titanic, Blood and Steel, Mm
1: -hmm. uh,
0: because I think it's just been long enough that we can go back to Titanic uh,
1: <laughs> was the most erotic moment of my life
0: <laughs> till she went into that Turkish brothel
1: <laughs> yeah th- those are pretty erotic oh that's a good man point.
0: all right so Mr. Selfridge yeah episodes seven and eight mm-hmm. correct yeah yeah
1: yeah that's correct great
0: I love when I get the numbers right
1: yes and you did hooray uh, yeah, and we start off with Mr. Selfridge himself having clearly gone insane. Uh. He is wandering the house in the dead of night, setting all the clocks forward. Uh, this is something my mother would do in order to get places on time. Note, it does not work.
0: Because if you know, well, I mean, it's if he doesn't have a problem with being punctual and the rest of the family does, then that works. Well, that's, that's but true. But you can't tell people that you're doing that because then they'll be like, oh, well, we still have five minutes and you have the same problem.
1: Right. Uh and it's also not clear that that's his point uh Rose naturally wonders why your husband is wandering the house like a madman uh turning
0: on all the lights too. Yeah
1: yeah come on think about the environment they Mr. Selfridge
0: did not think about the environment <laughs> I'm back
1: I'm, then. I'm aware But he he says that it's this idea he's had that is going to buy them all some extra time somehow. But it's not but it, yeah it's like <sighs> <sighs> Time stops for no man, Mr. Selfridge. When
0: I think about this show, because this was in the previously on, just before this scene, I think of the scene of Harry in bed, where it's just Jeremy Piven, like, unconscious (laughs) waving his arms and just like, (laughs) (laughs) that that is how I feel. (laughs) Particularly this pair of episodes.
1: Yeah, this pair of episodes was, I don't know. Some
0: really great stuff happens in them, plot-wise. But as we mentioned, tonally it is all over the place. Like this scene, particularly
1: at the the beginning of this episode, I felt like it was the worst. Yeah, like the first few scenes. This scene
0: in particular, I'm like, oh, remember when he just almost died?
1: Yeah, and so it's like, is this is this hijinks? Is this not hijinks? What's what's the deal here? Yeah, Uh, but apparently, I mean, according to uh, him, he's just full of beans. Ugh. So yeah. I'm glad we don't say that anymore. Everyone
0: beans beans the magical fruit.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, even apart from the flashlight aspect, <laughs> it's just weird.
0: Yeah, full of beans. Like, like that seems. Wouldn't that make that's you? That's negative. Wouldn't to that me. make you groggy?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Next, we see uh, George and Nancy at the Shea Tower. Uh, George and Agnes excuse I'm like me. Nancy yeah. Who the hell is Nancy I don't know I Did somehow, I fall asleep I somehow wrote down The word Nancy here For some reason But yes George and Agnes uh, Preparing for their day George is Feeling his responsibility As the man of the house And wondering uh, If Agnes is going to get married, or, or discussing her her marriage prospects. Well, he,
2: she
0: does something for him, and he's like, "Oh, you know, lucky man that marries you, Aggie." And she's like, "Shut the hell up!" And yeah. He's like, "Where's Victor?" <laughs> he's like, "Who?"
1: Yeah, I I don't think I know a Victor George. What That's... is he funny or something? <laughs> But instead she rips a ribbon off of her, or, or some material off of a petticoat to tie around her hat to give herself a little color.
0: Uh, which is also interesting in that I feel like she puts that together like really quickly. She, like w- she rips the thing and then like as she like comes up in front of the mirror, boom, already <laughs> yeah. done. Well, she's,
1: uh, she's it's, it's her she's, job. She's a
0: witch. <laughs> Clearly,
1: she's bewitched Monsieur Leclerc.
0: She sure has, mm-hmm. and he has bewitched everyone <laughs> who has seen him. No, and then she's kind of giving him some advice about women. He's saying, like, "Oh, you know, who would want the likes of me?" and I guess i get it like he's like simple or whatever yeah and he like works on the loading dock but i'm like you seem like a pretty nice person he does seem like a nice like, person he keeps talking about himself like he's got gonorrhea and a glass eye I,
1: well yeah i don't imagine that living with drunky McGinn did much for his self-esteem <laughs> That's a
0: really good point. i forgot about drunky mcgin <laughs> <laughs> I don't miss him at all. No.
1: I just miss talking about him.
0: I know. Uh, Do you miss talking about Frankie McChin? <laughs> <laughs> we want to hear your story.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, And then George does cutely adjust his hat in the mirror.
0: Yeah, because he sees Agnes and she says, oh, you know, it's the little things that matter to women. And so, like, it's, no, he, it's like he's just pawing at his head. Uh, right. He's like, she did something with a hat.
1: Uh, right. This, I can, yeah.
0: I can also touch my hat.
1: There. Did that work? Am I better now? <laughs> no. He's <is> not. <laughs> Sorry to say. Uh, we then see the store, which is bustling around. Uh, it's,
0: it's going to be Mr. Selfridge's first real day back ever since he uh, collapsed in the middle of the <laughs> suffragette march. So I guess right. he never did quite make it inside that day. <laughs> I guess not.
1: Yeah. He was just carried off on the shoulders of suffragettes. And yeah. Was found days later.
2: <laughs> just
0: Covered, covered in WSPU uh, Right.
1: Guess I'm a suffragette now. <laughs> uh, I gave them my childbearing years. <laughs> uh, so everybody is, of course, quite anxious that everything be perfect. Uh, Miss Ravilius corrects one of her staff uh, for having put a pink scarf on a mannequin when she clearly said blue. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she's colorblind. Maybe this is setting up a whole storyline. Uh. Oh.
0: -hmm. season two! Yeah, we
1: finally explore the tragedy of the colorblind in (laughs) a Dwarven society.
0: Maybe we're not trying to disparage anybody (laughs) for being colorblind, but come on! Even if you are colorblind, that is really funny. Yeah,
1: like maybe that's why Rose never wears any color.
0: (gasps) Oh my God! She's like, what difference would it make, (laughs) Harry? Your curse is to be an adulterer. Mine is my color blindness. <laughs> I tried to be a painter. It didn't work out for obvious reasons. <laughs> what do you think, Lois? <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh Mr. Crab and Mr. Grove are kind of walking through the store trying to figure out, you know, the, Mr. Grove's apologizing for having been a giant dick. Right. Uh <laughs> He's only just begun to be a giant dick.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's just finished apologizing.
0: Yeah. So. so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, they they are are wondering if Mr. Selfridge is in the building and how will they know? And then Mr. LeClaire walks by like a magical elf. And he's like, oh, we will know when he is here. Don't worry about that. And... You will
1: feel his sexual charisma.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. That was me. <laughs> 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 we love Monsieur Leclerc. So we do very much. Yes. Uh, so then, Mister Selfridge, you know, descends from on high. He's up in his office or something, uh, and he comes down and is inspecting everybody's departments. You know, he does do the the finger test on the on the counters to right. make sure they're not covered in dust. Mm-hmm. And he's over in accessories by Miss Martle, and there is a single dead flower yeah. in in her vase, and he's like he's like, Ah, no dead flowers. Like that's not that's not the image we want to project in this store. And she's like, I don't know how it happened. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a dead flower, not a dead hooker. <laughs> God, calm down, everybody.
2: Well,
1: you know, he, he demands perfection, <laughs> damn it. Selfridges is a store for the living, not for the dead. <laughs> although that's not entirely true this episode come no to think it's of it.
0: really not uh,
1: but we'll get to that first however we have possibly the weirdest scene in the history of this show oh
0: my god uh,
1: kitty and mustache in a new short play the ivory topped pencils <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: well because sir arthur conan doyle of sherlock holmes writing fame yes is there in the store
1: right and yes.
0: uh mustache is there you know to stash it up <laughs> yeah probably write something I but he actually has a job,
1: right? It's not not super clear. It's
0: just it seems like maybe he's just calling himself the editor, kind of like how Patrick Bateman is like the vice president of whatever in American Psycho. <laughs> right? But he never actually does anything.
1: Yeah. Didn't know we'd be talking about American Psycho.
0: I can work it into literally any conversation. It's
1: it's actually true. It's a
0: great party trick. I've
1: seen it happen.
0: If you'd like to hire me to come to your party. <laughs> So you can see it in action. Please email us.
1: That would be weird. Um <laughs> but not as weird as Kitty and Mustache's scene. No. It's so I mean, it is so like it's, sexually no, charged.
0: Immediately and it's and like, just
1: like and and I mean in terms of the staging and the the tones of voice and everything. Well and it's
0: just like that's the weirdest part is like the actors are always able to match the tone. Mm-hmm. But it is completely beyond my understanding as to why the director of the scenes decided to just, like, do this mashup of genres, it feels like.
1: Right. And, I mean, you know, it 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 becomes, you know, Kitty later thinks that mustache is into her, and so this scene is setting that up. But it doesn't but need it, to be yeah. sexual,
0: because then the later scenes, there's nothing sexual... like. If if Mustache was going to send her a note based on this encounter, it would not be anywhere nearly as innocuous, uh, right? As what winds up happening,
1: <laughs> it'd be like, uh, "There's a corner in the loading dock. Be there in twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Let's go."
0: Yeah. Uh. <laughs> No and it's like it's so weird to me this scene cuz like they're having this whole conversation about ivory pe- ivory topped pencils right and her hair being strawberry blonde and how some women dye their hair and then she closes The pencil box Mm -hmm. that she's showing him, like, on his fingers. Because I know that when I'm trying to attract a mate, I like to close a pencil box on his fingers. Yeah. No, I think that's... that's... No, that's how we met. (laughs) That
1: is how we met. I was just
0: going around at this bar, closing pencil boxes on people's hands.
1: I never did get that pencil.
0: Well, I gave it to someone else. (laughs) Whoa. Well, I was a very uh, hot commodity back in the day.
1: (laughs) This this has been revealing.
0: (laughs) Well... I just found out about your childbearing
1: years. <laughs> That's true. I oh, We next have a little staff meeting up in Mr. Selfridge's office. I don't really remember what they talked about.
0: Oh, well, he, he is just kind of like pepping everybody up. Yeah. Uh, saying, you know, that he almost died, so they need to, like, come up with new ideas.
1: Right. And are right. like,
0: ah, oh, why are you making your, you know, nobody else wants to be involved in your death, or in your death experience. <laughs> yeah,
1: like, that's between you and, uh, I don't know, your God, I guess. <laughs>
0: or your, your dad. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, that is, that's, it's yeah. It's between
0: you and your dad. <laughs> yeah. No, so he, you know, dismisses the group but keeps miss rebellious back and thanks her for solving the suffragette crisis Mm -hmm. and he says if there's anything that you need and like he doesn't even finish before she cuts him off and is like oh i want miss tower yeah he's like oh she's one of our best employees and she's like yeah duh are we done here (laughs) i just i really like how direct she is yeah she is everybody on this show she's an extremely direct person
1: yeah and just uh, like Just like forthright and, Mm -hmm. and, yeah.
0: And she finds that vigorous exercise is quite sufficient to keep her figure (laughs) intact.
1: Which is, uh, impressive. It's more more than I can say. Oh,
0: I. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Let's not talk about that. Let's
1: not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's just, it's incredible the way that she conducts herself. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so we see now Rosalie is, uh, trying on a dress. She does not like her strap in the dress. It is vexing her. Uh,
0: (laughs) rosalie selfridge in the vexing strap (laughs) yes next on lifetime
1: (laughs) uh but her strap is fine uh she'll she's fine she's going to uh an extra special soiree with lady may apparently
0: i'm gonna start calling every party i go to a soiree that's
1: a good plan like
0: Inspired by this episode, it just sounds so much fancier. It does sound
1: so much. No, and fancier. like you'll
0: sound so much cooler talking to your friends. Like, oh, well, I have a soirée to get to,
1: so I'm gonna be hungover.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, duh, of course.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so they they tell her that she's fine and send her off. And Rose and Lois discuss uh, Harry's lack of sleeping, mm-hmm. and uh, he's apparently been having nightmares. And Lois says that he had them as a child as well. And she's wondering what they were about. No.
0: And I'm like, number one, you're a terrible mother. Right. Like, shouldn't you find out what your kids like if you know the kid is having the nightmares? Yeah. You need to find out what they're about.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, granted, it
0: was Victorian times, maybe that wasn't done.
1: Yeah, and they, they discuss various, uh, options for the cause, uh, not mentioning perhaps Lois's abusive husband may have right? been. That may have been the factor there. Yeah, it I really thought, might have been, uh. I thought he made that clear.
0: Uh, and if he didn't, Mustache did. Yeah. So this is a weird scene.
1: It is a weird scene. Uh, well, and the, the whole arc here with Lois that, that wraps up in this episode and, and her, like, Like, it never makes any sense. She seems to be the last one to have figured out that Harry had an issue with his dad. Yeah. Which is just odd. It is really odd.
0: Well, because they had that conversation in the first episode. Right. I know. So, this is just weird. It just seems weird this has never come up before. Yeah, yeah. Um, Also, Rosalie's going to the soiree and Lady May is her chaperone. And I just think it's really interesting how much the Selfridges, like, trust Lady May not to corrupt Rosalie.
1: Yeah. Because yeah. it's like
0: her checkered past does not have any meaning to them. like Yeah.
1: And-, and I mean quite frankly her, is, her is somewhat checkered present. I mean it's, you know, she does have a somewhat unorthodox thing going That's on. That's
0: true. Yeah, but they
1: they're fine with but, it, but you know
0: at the same time she is so forceful within that society mm-hmm. that they probably feel more comfortable with her going because they know that she's not going to do anything to jeopardize her relationship with them right and also like i mean who would be better to kind of you know yeah protect rosalie from various undesirables i mean frankly she does better at this first soiree than she does at the next one yeah, that yeah. she goes to with her parents yeah
1: that's that's true well, and I mean, also Lady May is, you know, uh, a, an ironclad expert in terms of etiquette and everything like that. Right.
0: Well, because she had to be because right. she knew that she was only going to ever get one chance to get mm-hmm. it right.
1: Yeah. And, and Rose and Harry are both not quite confident in their no. ability
2: to I navigate I think even that.
0: American etiquette they would, they would struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they don't seem like they're, you know, they're extremely, you know, nouveau riche.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back at Selfridges, Harry and Mr. Crabb are talking with uh, their- uh,
0: Mr. Musker.
1: Musker, yes. We, I
0: think in the last episode, we couldn't remember his name. Yeah, I want to call him like Bull Musker. Like, he, just, <laughs> he looks like the kind of guy where everybody calls him Bull.
1: Yeah. So Bull is in the office. Yeah. Uh, and they're discussing apparently they want to purchase the adjoining buildings- the success of the store has of course made all the surrounding property much more expensive but they're going to be making a stock offering in order to raise the funds for that Mm -hmm. uh bull expresses a great deal of confidence he's been working with the banks and he says that it should be happening in about uh uh two months two months give or take a week give or take a week and harry says i'll take a week and uh bull says what 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 and drops his monocle and everything and
0: poor mr crab is gonna have a stroke (laughs) no because you know he's always got to bear the brunt of mr selfridge's wacky ideas and just i i again should have looked at the name of the person who plays (laughs) it yeah yeah but his performance is so subtle it
2: is it's it's really
0: nuanced and i really love it
1: Yeah, but uh Bull does not appreciate this unorthodox dealings. He says, You know, I've been working with these banks for however many years, and I'll tell you this for tuppence, you'd better not rush them. Now give me tuppence (laughs)
0: It's like has he seen Mary Poppins? (laughs) That does not end well.
1: (laughs) That's true.
0: Tell him tell him uh you know a man with a wooden leg named Smith and see what they'd say. Yeah. See what they'd say.
1: That I I think that usually results in a run on the bank. joke told in wall street or uh what What is did uh, what's i i why there's a name for like the financial part of london but now i don't know what it is the
0: financial district
1: it's kind of well oh i think it's just called the city which is confusing that is confusing yeah well anyway that Thanks was terrible confusing everyone tom. <laughs> my apologies <laughs> to everyone this
0: is called tom confuses history <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes uh, back home, Lois is reading the paper and by golly, old Roddy Temple has made the news. He has, uh, his, he has had a very successful show in Paris. Uh, and Lois points out that this will make the portrait he painted of Rose much more expensive. So She says
0: it'll be worth a few dollars. And I was like, you mean pounds, Lois. Pounds. We live in England now. Also, that's not true. Because that is the most terrifying single painting that has ever been produced. I know. It is so horrible.
1: You should pay somebody to take it away and mm-hmm. burn it. Yeah. It uh, won't burn! It's like. I know, but then it'll be that person's problem. It's
0: like the Necronomicon in <laughs> Evil Dead. There's nothing you can do. She'll just stare at you forever and ever.
1: Yeah. Even in your dreams.
0: Ah, especially there. <laughs> Has Harry told you what his nightmares are about? <laughs> yes. They're about that awful painting. <laughs> Beatrice comes in talking backwards, <laughs> holding the painting. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, look, if you're going to have tonal problems, you might as well go all the way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Back at the store, a mysterious package has been left on the accessories counter for mm-hmm. Kitty it says it is a box of sweets of some kind i couldn't really tell i think they're
0: whorehound candy actually that 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 seems seems consistent with the period and they also look disgusting (laughs)
1: right yeah uh but there's a note saying sweets for a sweetheart i believe
0: so clearly the the person giving the sweets has never met her
1: (laughs) right and is also you think that's the note that mustache would send no no His would
0: have a reference to like a rosebud that's like a double entendre. And be I, I w- like, oh, you know, does your does your muffin match the drape?
1: Something. <laughs> That's, I was thinking something along the lines of tarts for a tart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 now get down here. Let me give you a mustache ride.
1: <laughs> yeah. And coming out of that scene, we get a dissolve fade to the portrait. Oh. oh God. <laughs> we both screamed out loud. We did scream
0: out. <laughs> it's so terrible.
1: It's watching. It's watching everything.
0: It knows everything about me. <laughs> it's like a it's like a goosebumps book.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's presumably then a scene following that, but I don't know <laughs> what it was. No no
0: no. It um <laughs> rose arrives at the store Mm -hmm. because uh she's there to see sir arthur conan doyle and have lunch with mr selfridge uh so you know he like hugs her and she sees the painting and it's horrible yeah
1: horrible it is uh downstairs sir arthur conan doyle is there he is signing books and he we we liked his sort of the jib, way yeah the cut of it just the way he was comfortable in his celebrity and the way no, he talked I, with I everybody i always appreciate
0: and... seeing a celebrity who understands the extent to which they're supposed to be a showman mm-hmm. well i mean you know it was a very different landscape back then it was sure. much harder to cultivate celebrity i think yeah or i don't know maybe not well i mean i, I think mean, everything's so instantaneous now
1: yeah i mean i will say it wouldn't being a celebrity would have been much easier back then in terms of being able to have your own space and privacy it wouldn't be you know the 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 public would not be so in your face all the time i think right um, but like, yeah. It was-
0: he's, no, he just, he's very kind and respectful and he's signing, uh, Agnes's copy of The Hound of the Baskervilles. This was one of my favorite scenes yeah, yeah. That she's done, honestly. Yeah. Cause she says, oh, you know, The Hound of the Baskervilles. He said it's very, you know, scary for a young lady. And she says, it frightened the life out of me, sir. I loved it. Yeah. And she just looks so genuinely happy. Yeah. That's what's cool about her performance. Uh, Aisley, Isley.
1: Loftus? Lofting? Yes. One of those.
0: Yes. Definitely some configuration of those syllables. <laughs> right. Um, but ever since, you know, her life kind of started to turn around, you see her taking pleasure in things. And yeah. her taking pleasure in things is one of my favorite things to watch. Yeah. She's just, she's got an energy that I've never seen on television. No. Or in movies, frankly. Yeah. I mean, she's... She's just got this otherworldliness about
2: her.
1: Yeah, that's that's and true. And I think
0: initially I found it kind of off-putting, but now I'm like, I don't
1: Yeah, she's she's both like present in the moment and removed from it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's
0: just it's really cool.
1: Yeah. Uh there there is some oddness about Arthur Conan Doyle's presence here. Uh one thing is that the sign up behind him that seems to be the book he's promoting is The Exploits of Brigadier Gerard, uh which was published in 1896. Hmm. And he'd certainly published other things since then. In fact, he'd published a sequel to that. Uh, both were short story collections in 1903. Um, but
0: this is 1910, right? Or
1: Eleven, something like that. Uh, we figure it has to be either 1910 or 1911 because by 1912, Titanic would have sunk, and there's no way they would have let that.
0: Yeah, like they would have had a whole bunch, of, like you know, life, life preservers and, and <laughs> right you know uh They're, collapsible lifeboats
1: yeah the iceberg would have gotten its own window oh
0: mr Leclaire leclerc would have done really nice work with that
1: <laughs> he would have but yeah and so oh, he would
0: have totally had the unsingable molly brown
1: oh yeah mm-hmm. that's what yeah there you go yeah now, she would
0: have made an appearance That
1: that would have been great yeah and maybe will be great when that happens Oh,
0: or maybe that one actress who was in that movie that it. oh yeah it and she went crazy
1: that would be a lot of fun that would be a lot of fun do that <laughs> eyeliner
0: (laughs) we did mention that we call him eyeliner right i think so in case you didn't know we call the creator of this show eyeliner yes and we like to imagine that he leaves julian fellows a lot of drunken emails (laughs) Uh, drunken voicemails
1: yeah yeah not emails they're elderly british people
0: what a drag it is getting old i just Think he likes to <laughs> sing the Rolling Stones That's, on Julian his voicemail.
1: That is an interesting hypothesis. <laughs> Thank Kelly. you. I've
0: been writing a lot of uh, <laughs> fan fiction about the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Their bitter rivalry, which masks a hidden tenderness.
1: This has been a podcast of revelations. <laughs> Um, but is what's actually is anachronistic in two directions, though, because it also discusses the you know the main thing that Arthur Conan Doyle brings in is uh, his spiritualism. He has a, a, a Rex Cranel from America, who's a, uh, a a spirit sensitive. I think he's called a medium. A, a medium, yeah. But my understanding, and it's a little bit vague, but I didn't think that. Arthur Conan Doyle had really gotten into that stuff until after World War I when his sons died. Although his wife did die in 1906, so it may have started then, but that's mm-hmm. not the understanding I'd had. In any case, a- as we said, really not tight with the uh, historical references this show. So, a yeah. l- little disappointing.
0: Uh, eyeliner's just too busy getting drunk on peach schnapps. <laughs> and <laughs> leaving endless comments. <laughs> On Julian Fellows' MySpace page, (laughs) despite the fact that Julian Fellows hasn't been on his MySpace page in seven years. (laughs) (sighs) He can't.
1: He's forgotten the password. He has
0: forgotten the Uh, (laughs) password. A bunch of bands want him to come to their shows, and he can't remember which ones they are.
1: Sadie and the Hotheads.
0: <laughs> In sp- that song is based on his cow. <laughs> oh, seriously, fuck you, Sadie and the Hotheads. <laughs> oh. oh. Back to the show. Yes. Not my fevered <laughs> imaginings.
1: <laughs> they are fevered. Uh, Next, we go to the tea shop that is near Selfridges. Uh...
0: Again, a really weird tonal thing because this shot comes in on Kitty and Doris, like, I fucking these cakes? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Kitty's like, what are you going to have, Doris? And she says, like, guiltily. She's like, oh, I'll just have a tea and a sandwich right and you know kitty's like yes that's what i'll have also and i'm like why are you like they're both being so fucking weird
1: they're uh they're weird i guess they're
0: really weird
1: but then they see in the tea shop uh miss bunting Mm -hmm. who is of the shoplifting bunting yes (laughs) of the shoplifting buntings who is as you might expect not looking so great
0: Yeah, I mean, she makes uh, Lois, Rose, and Rosalie's hair look, like, real good. Yeah. By comparison. Yeah. Uh, So Doris goes over there and is Much to
1: Kitty's shock and dismay. Yeah, Kitty's
0: like, why would you even go over there? Yeah. Uh, But Doris is a very kind soul, Mm -hmm. as we're learning, and she goes over to talk to Miss Bunting, and we both were crying in this scene. This is the second time that we've seen it, but, like, God. Yeah. Miss Bunting is just so desperate, but she's trying so hard to hold onto her dignity. Right. And...
1: And and Doris is so, you know, there's... She's so limited in what she can mm-hmm. do and, you know, knows that she can't take too much responsibility for Miss Bunting but wants to help and mm-hmm. all, all this sort of thing. And it's, it's a very... It's just very moving. Uh-huh. And, you know, both...
0: Because, you know, she's, she's talking to Miss Bunting and, and, you know, Miss Bunting is saying oh you know I can't get a job without a reference and Doris is like awkward yeah but Kitty comes over and she's like oh Doris there's these chairs are you coming yeah and so then Doris stands up but she pulls out a coin Mm -hmm. and pretends that she's picked it up off the floor and gives it to Miss Bunting yeah we're getting a little choked up
1: again. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, so she goes over and then she sits down with Kitty and Kitty's like, what did you do that for? Blah, blah, blah. And Doris is just like, can't you see? She's hungry. Yeah. And it's just so sad. It's
1: very sad.
2: It's
0: incredibly sad. It really is. Because it's like, oh my God, she got fired from this amazing job that she was really good at. Mm-hmm. Can't get anything. Yeah. Or, you know, go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so instead she just comes and hangs out near the place that she used to work. Yeah. But she can't, you know, she can't even bring herself to beg. Yeah. It's very, very difficult to watch. It is. It is. My note is Miss Bunting makes me cry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And she does.
0: So back at Selfridge's. Yes. uh, Mr. Selfridge and Rose are having lunch themselves. Is that right? Yes. Okay. They're having lunch themselves with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Rex... Cronel. Cronel? Yeah. Okay. Was that a real person?
1: Uh, it was not. At least as far as I can tell, you know, Googling it just brings up Mr. Selfridge. Okay. So, uh,
0: so they're, you know, discussing the fact that when uh, when Harry was unconscious and, you know, near death, Rose felt that she could communicate with him somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, which put me in mind of, I remember reading that about Roger Ebert and his wife Chaz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Gosh, I can't remember which of his many difficult circumstances it was, but it was like, he was, you know, clinically dead.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think they were going to pull the plug on him, but like Chaz felt very strongly that he was not Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: ready to go. Mm -hmm. And as it turned out, they were able to revive him. Yeah. And I just, because I'm, you know, we're, we're pretty outspoken atheists and I don't believe in like ghosts or like, you know souls or whatever i guess right uh at least not in that sense but i at the same time i do think that that kind of thing is possible yeah just as we kind of go into this whole seance business right 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 uh you know we don't think seances are are anything right
1: so to be clear
0: we think it's a lot of malarkey
1: we do <laughs> uh yeah yep. so but art. yeah arthur conan doyle does not believe it is a lot of malarkey he says that he is uh certainly he is Rose says something about she's heard of people being taken in and mm-hmm, that sort of thing. By charlatans. Yes. And he says that he has seen a lot of that, but he says that I have also seen things that my own Sherlock Holmes would have been hard pressed to explain. And I'm like, he would have been hard pressed, but he would have managed.
0: Yeah. He was a cokehead too. Yeah,
1: that was his whole thing was explaining things. Like, yeah. He, he... <laughs> uh,
0: but so Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, his whole sales pitch is he wants them to have a seance at Selfridge's and Mr. Selfridge is like, uh, the customers wouldn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so he's like, oh, we'll just do it for the staff. I mean, it, it is kind of a cute idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's, you know, it, it makes sense that this is the sort of thing. That... Well,
0: and it's so interesting to me that this was seen as so progressive
2: mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I mean, I guess, you know, as in, in our study of Downton Abbey, it wasn't as if people, particularly in Britain, were particularly religious at
1: this time. It doesn't seem that way. So, I mean,
0: you know, the occult must have seemed like a step in a totally different direction.
1: Right. Well, and it's also just interesting to me how little backlash there seems to be to have been from a, like, just from a Christian perspective. I mean, Mm -hmm. having grown, grown up in a conservative Catholic parish that thought that Halloween was evil. No, and evil. my
0: mother, you know, we weren't allowed to look at horoscopes. We weren't allowed to play with a Ouija board. Mm-hmm. We weren't allowed to do anything. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's just funny how fine people were with it. Yeah, yeah. And I guess maybe, you know, if you're going to put it under the umbrella of being progressive, you know, they were able to at least manufacture, you know, these, you know, physical phenomena
1: right right
0: that they felt could prove things
1: yeah and it was uh, you know the frontiers of knowledge
0: well and i don't know i think there is something interesting in terms of like using the planchette and like the collective unconscious
2: Mm
0: -hmm. uh which you know for all that we understand how the human brain works might as well be magic right right uh no i mean it's just it's very weird to me because i feel like present day attitudes towards this stuff is so much more dismissive Mm -hmm. like not even just from an intellectual standpoint, but just from a religious standpoint, yeah, yeah. people who are against this stuff are like seriously, seriously against it.
1: Yeah. And it was compatible in, in – well, in terms – many of the people who were into the spiritualist stuff, including uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, were still Christians and, and put it into a Christian context.
0: Right. Totally. Yeah. Um. I just – I think that's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just because I think we all tend to think of this time period as being so – backwards mm-hmm. and then i think downton abbey definitely promotes that view right but on this show you know this is a glass half full show yeah the show is like people were trying really hard to understand the universe and our place in it mm-hmm. and i mean it just people's attitudes and their relationships on this show feel very contemporary to me
1: yeah yeah and yet not in an anachronistic way for the most part
0: yeah except for like the you know the newspapers and you know, like
1: right. Except for the actual <laughs> anachronisms. Right.
0: No, and I also think it's interesting that they totally play this seance straight. Yeah. Like, at no point do you ever get the sense that editorially anybody thought it was bullshit.
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Even, you know, Mr. Grove calls it malarkey, but he clearly did not think so.
1: As yeah. we will
0: later see. Yeah. But,
1: which is actually, it's it's coming up shortly. There's one scene prior to the seance, which is in the accessories department. Miss Martle is upset at the fact that Miss Towler has been transferred yes. out of her department. Uh, and so she comes to Kitty and Doris and tells them the news that Miss Towler will be working in fashion and if either of you have any interest in being senior sales assistants I suggest you not eat sweets on the sh- on the shop floor. She doesn't stutter. Yeah, she doesn't stutter. She's, you know, she's she's a professional actress.
0: Yeah. Um, but see I loved after she said that cuz Doris like slow-mo pulls her (laughs) candy out of her mouth and Kitty just looks at her like a pile of human excrement. Well,
1: and Kitty has a point. You should swallow at that point, like crunch it up and swallow Mm -hmm. rather than taking it out with your gloved hand. Yeah, that's true. That is going to be sticky.
0: I don't think she had a glove on. She may have.
1: I think she did because I think it it bothered me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like... It, no, and again tonally, at the end I'm like yeah. walk a walk oh, right. I'm like oh my god, yeah. That evening they all go upstairs. Are they in the Palm Court?
1: Uh, I believe it is the Palm Court. I could they, be wrong. I
0: don't know. It, they've cleared things away. Like it's right. You know, it's, there's just the, the large round table with you know rex Cronell and his posse yeah
1: he's he's he rolls deep rex yeah crinnell.
0: they're all holding on to each other and speaking in tongues or you know whatever the hell they're yeah. doing
1: well he starts uh, first rex crinnell gives his little opening speech which we kind of enjoyed he mm-hmm. was like there's nothing to be afraid of here uh we he's
0: also an excellent showman
1: yes he is uh of course if any of you feel a nervous laugh would help do so now mm-hmm. and many people do yes uh, and he says, you know, we're just offering an invitation and all this sort of, you know, his whole, his whole spiel.
0: And Mr. Perez drops a glass. Uh, yes. And
1: everybody wigs out. Yeah.
0: They're like, what?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and Mr. Perez is like, oh, th- that was me. Mr. Perez gets embarrassed a lot on this show, it seems like. You know,
0: he's kind of embarrassing.
1: <laughs> he is.
0: Frankly. Yeah. D- who drops a glass? Mm-hmm. He runs that freaking
1: Your whole restaurant. job is not dropping uh. glasses the preservation of glasses is your domain
0: yeah no and like rex crinnell seems like so dedicated i just wrote down you know this is all made up right (laughs) but they don't yeah i also noticed uh in this scene rose selfridge is wearing a black dress with sort of like a knitted lace uh work that looks almost exactly like a dress that cora crawley wears oh Uh, Several times Mm -hmm. In I think the latter Two seasons of Downton Abbey Uh, Probably if you pay attention To the clothes As much as I do (laughs) You'll know which one I'm talking about But it's it's weird Because it's like a blocky lace It's kind of like a grid Uh Versus you know Being you know floral
1: But uh Well
0: stunning She finally gets to wear A color that isn't white
1: Yeah it's true Well and Julian Fellows agreed To send over that dress If eyeliner would stop Leaving him those Drunken (laughs) emails But he didn't Yeah Never trust eyeliner so yeah, the the seance kicks off, and you know the actual seancers are sitting around the table, as mentioned, speaking in tongue ish. Oh, and sounding. he says they have
0: food and drink there as a reminder of the physical world, right? And I'm like, is that like the spread? or like right. you can, have something there like for the spirit
1: yeah like can 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 we eat that yeah. what if we're hungry
0: and then there's a candle you know lit because you know spooky
1: right yeah <laughs> pretty much <laughs> and it it is fairly spooky uh the the first spirit that they summon or whatever that they're speaking to
0: her name is like flow or something and this is... I love how stupid Doris is. Like, Doris is such a dum-dum. Yeah. Because she looks and goes, Kitty, you're Aunt Flo. <laughs> Kitty says, well, she's not dead, is she? <laughs> Which, I love that. They're yeah. like like—they're like the comic relief in a Disney movie.
1: People, <laughs> they are. <you> know? Yeah. <laughs> they're like the talking gargoyles or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or uh, Panic and... What's the other... Panic and Pain in Hercules. I don't know why... Maybe just because Doris reminds me of Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you may be alone on that one.
0: I have no doubt. That <laughs> I, I w- what if Doris? T- I want to redub all of her lines <laughs> from Bobcat Goldthwait's voice.
1: Well, uh, let's call Bobcat Goldthwait's manager.
0: King! I can't even do Bobcat yeah. Goldthwait's voice. Nobody can. Bobcat Goldthwait.
1: Well, yeah.
0: There's other people who can. I'm sure you're They've right. They've worked really hard on it.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, people at parties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then, uh, they, you know, that's kind of a non-starter, I guess. Right. And then somebody shows up and the name starts with the letter H.
1: And Miss Martle gasps. Uh-huh. And uh, goes, heady, heavy Grove. Right.
0: And I'm like, Miss Martle, you are doing a really terrible job of keeping this shit in
1: your house. <laughs> That's true. Well, because
0: there's also a scene before that that we skipped where Mr. Crab comes into Miss Blankensop's office. Uh huh. And like, she and Miss Martle are just standing in there looking horrified. Right. And he's like, Oh, you're upset about the seance. And Miss Martle's like, Hetty Grove is barely in her grave. And we're like, Why are you talking about this?
1: Yeah. Although, I mean, to be fair, Mr. Crab was wearing morning band for her, So, I mean, they, you know, they are all somehow supposed to care about Hetty Grove well, regardless. Well, he doesn't seem
0: to give a shit. Well, yeah. Well, it's like, if you don't want to go to the seance, like, don't go to the seance. Yeah,
1: here, here. Go home. Watch yeah. a movie or something. they can't. <laughs>
0: oh, that's why they're all there.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. It's better than sitting in the dark by myself. <laughs>
2: Was it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a shot during the seance of Mr. Leclerc. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and his subtext seems to be, ah, uh, this is very sexy.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's always the subtext. I know.
0: <laughs> He's so cute.
1: Yeah. Uh, but Hetty apparently wants to tell Mr. Grove that he can go ahead and get married again. He storms out. Uh-huh. He's not interested in hearing that.
0: And Miss Martle's like, what, what? What happened?
1: Isn't that what we wanted to hear? (sighs) Yeah, uh, then an angry spirit comes along, a very angry spirit, Uh, and Rex Cronell is demanding that he leave them alone, he's being too angry or whatever, and uh, you know, the candle goes out, and, and, uh, finally Rex Cronell is like, no, you cannot come, the circle is broken! And uh, that's the end of the seance.
0: And then the candle comes back on. Right. Because that's how candles work. That
1: is how candles work. Uh, Whenever a seance ends, a candle lights itself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yes, the the spirit was clearly, by the way, uh, Mr. Selfridge's father.
0: His dad's no war hero. (laughs) And he ain't dead either. So how could he be at the seance?
1: (laughs) Well, he apparently found a way.
0: (laughs) I guess he is dead now.
1: Yeah. uh, One would think. He didn't seem to be living right. No. Um,
0: I'm your blood!
1: <laughs> yes, uh, Mr. Cronell then, uh, offers Mr. Selfridge a private reading in order to, uh, you know, interview the spirit further. Uh, Mr. Selfridge did not kn- get where he is by not knowing how to fend off quacks. Yes. And he fends him off. Yeah. Expertly.
0: He really does. <laughs> well, I guess, I don't know, maybe that's the thing, like, he doesn't seem like he's too into this whole thing
1: agreed i mean i guess i
0: don't know it's weird
1: well he you know he he gives his little intro by just saying we should always be you know uh
0: at the forefront forefront of progress progress
1: and so on but yeah he doesn't really seem that invested in the whole seance yeah rose
0: seems a lot more into it yeah yeah it's really weird
1: it is yeah then there's another scene that we can't really remember something about nightmares yeah something about nightmares we both wrote that down uh it's after the seance when they come home and it's it's lois talking to somebody Mm -hmm. either Rose or or harry or both or both yeah Uh, but they're just discussing the nightmares again whatever the nightmares suck anyway yeah as a plot arc so screw it
0: your dad's no war hero (laughs) he ain't dead either
1: (laughs) (sighs) yeah Then we have a scene in Mr. Grove's office the next day. Miss mm-hmm. Martle comes in very excitedly to talk about the news that they got at the seance. That
0: Which is neither news <laughs> nor good.
1: Right. Yes, she is very excited that Hetty has given Mr. Perot- Mr. Grove permission to marry from beyond the grave. Um, he's not so excited.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's not really into this whole marrying Miss Martle plan. Apparently. Apparently. And and this is where she, upon being rebuffed, says, I gave you my childbearing years. Mm-hmm. You realize that, don't you? And he doesn't really say anything. No.
0: he. It's really, really difficult to watch. And these are some of the best acted scenes mm-hmm. in the show. Yeah. Uh, we absolutely hate Mr. Grove, the character. But the guy playing him yeah. is doing such a good job.
1: Agreed. Agreed.
0: But he just clearly... The two of them have never been on the same page about this relationship. Yeah. Despite the fact that she thought they were and he mm-hmm. clearly continued allowing her to think that they were. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's, it's rough. Yeah, it is it's rough. It's
1: extremely rough. Yeah. Downstairs, Miss Towler has been given the assignment to dress the mannequins. So, we're everybody's hoping she does well at that. That was the scene. Next, we have a scene with Lady May and Bull Musker. Musker, I cannot, <laughs> cannot remember that. Lady May and Bull Musker. Uh, they're discussing the stock, the, the you know, the the negotiations with mm-hmm. the bank. Uh, and Bull says that there's a situation that might require her unique set of skills. So, like a song and dance number.
0: Uh, I think he means a spot of light whoring. Ah, uh, yes, of course. <laughs> then we see uh miss bunting is back in the tea shop mm-hmm. uh as is doris yeah and so doris is sort of talking to her there and and come to find out that miss bunting's mother has passed away mm-hmm. uh, which is very sad yeah uh passed away in fact because miss bunting was fired and could not afford to buy her medicine anymore right uh so then, Doris makes the offer to come back to the tea shop and have some supper, which she was going to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she says it'll be her treat, and she also promises that she'll speak to Mister Grove about
1: Miss Bunting. Yeah, uh, again, somewhat brutal. Then we see Fat Thomas and Lady May in <laughs> in action.
0: Oh, very much so.
1: Very much so. Yes, uh, we got we get a return of Lady May's hair bra. Uh, but because as they are in in the middle of things, there is a knock on the door.
0: And Lady May just says, what is it?
1: (laughs) Uh, and it is a telegram, and she says... From Bull! Yes, from Bull's. Just light it under the door.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn. Because then, she... Makes uh Fat Thomas go get it. Yeah, he's she like, just
1: points at it.
0: And, she, and he's like, Oh, something wrong with your wags <laughs> And she's like, You've turned them to jelly, dear heart. <laughs> when he clearly has not.
1: Yeah. Because,
0: like, that's the thing. I don't think she likes his sex or his cooking that much. <laughs> like, I think she had well, high hopes for him. Yeah. But I think that he has been kind of disappointing.
1: I think, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I think, I don't think. I don't think she wants to like anybody that much because That's she true. wants to make sure that she she's cu-
0: always got the upper hand. Yeah,
1: and can cut them off at any time yeah. without inconveniencing herself. Uh, back at the store, Mr. Crabb has an announcement to b- to make. The bank is coming. The the uh, president and vice president Sir of the Oliver bank. Sir Oliver
0: Standish is the head, and I forget what the name of the other guy is.
1: Yeah, uh, but they're, they're going to be coming to the store. This is the task that Mr. Crabb had been assigned earlier uh, was to get the bank to come to them rather mm-hmm. than them going to the bank. A so task he's achieved th- this. Yeah, he did not seem optimistic about the task, but...
0: But he tells this to Mr. Selfridge, who's getting barbered in his office <laughs> yeah. like he's Jack Donaghy. <laughs> what am I, a farmer?
1: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and and Mr. Selfridge could be more uh, congratulatory of Mr. Crabb. And- Considering
0: how much he was like, you have to do this.
1: Yeah. And how little guidance he gave him on how to do it, either. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but hey.
0: And how many mini strokes, Mr. Crab?
1: <laughs> well, we would just like to say we congratulate you, we Mr. Crab. Mr.
0: Mr. You did really well.
1: Yes. Have a cookie. <gasps> Down in accessories, Kitty has gotten another note from her mystery admirer.
0: Which she's always wanted.
1: She has always wanted one, yes. And this note asks that she uh, meet the mystery admirer.
0: At the tea hut.
1: At the tea hut.
0: Not the tea shop. No. The tea hut.
1: Right. There's a lot of different tea establishments in the area. Yes. I imagine a lot of missed connections.
0: (laughs) He said to go to the tea shop. Are you sure he didn't mean the tea hut?
1: (laughs) I meant the tea cottage.
0: (laughs) I like how you were Branson.
1: <laughs> it's how the Irish drink tea in cottages.
0: <laughs> um, in front of a peat fire. <laughs> with our monkey beside us. <laughs> it's run by Mrs. Patmore. <laughs> that's how you have to order, too. <laughs> right then, so that's our... For the monkey. Yeah. <laughs> banana bread right
1: (laughs) oh monkeys are so predictable
0: (laughs) (laughs) not those ones that smoke and drink whiskey although i guess they're kind of
1: predictable yeah that's true
0: for monkeys that smoke and drink whiskey (laughs) we've had a lot of fun talking about monkeys (laughs) Uh, no, but then they're talking about how they still think it's Mr. Edwards right. and how Kitty will be, you know, Mrs. Kitty Edwards. And Doris is saying, oh, we'll miss you, but then I'll be senior assistant.
2: Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah.
1: And then, and then they, like, fake promise to always be friends. It's,
2: yeah. They're not friends now. I know.
1: And then we see Agnes getting, uh, working on the mannequins. She's carrying some arms that she's trying to assemble.
0: And, and the room extremely dim and and like windowless and very sexy
1: <laughs> well once monsieur Leclerc walks oh
0: in. wearing his bow tie you know what he is like the only man i've ever seen in a bow tie where i'm like you know get it uh,
1: yeah wear that bow tie
0: uh, wear it around your neck <laughs>
1: uh he does he basically in this sexy mannequin room uh the the tension starts to like explode between agnes yeah
0: because he's like oh hey come here and they get really close and you like, oh my god are they gonna kiss are they gonna kiss now? right no she's just got a thing in her hair
1: yeah <laughs> uh,
0: we're all friends we're yeah. just
1: we're friends with mannequins <laughs> but it's so great because she's carrying the mannequin arms and like the hands are sticking <laughs> up and they're like in the shot by her face it's, it's
0: hysterical yeah yeah well done yeah Back up on office level, we see Doris uh, approaching Mr. Grove's office. So she knocks, and he says, Come, which, (laughs) ugh, I hate that. Yeah. I just, I hate him. I hate him so much.
1: We all do, Kelly. Okay,
0: good. (laughs) So she goes in and, you know, explains that she's been seeing Miss Bunting and that she's really fallen on hard times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, could he maybe consider giving her a reference? And he says he'll ask, uh he'll ask Mr. Selfridge about it.
1: Yeah. And she talks about how, you know, she sees her and she just can imagine what it would be like to have no children and no family and Mm -hmm. all that sort of thing. And that, that was the subtext from the beginning that was really visible there that, you know, Doris, can um, you know this is doris this is a potential future for doris Mm -hmm. even if an unlikely one Mm -hmm. but she well
0: because she's not as pretty as kitty is right you know kitty's presumably going to trick someone into making her his full-time (laughs) harridan right
1: (laughs) yeah and it seems like and there's no basis for this but it seems to me like doris doesn't have any family and kitty has some
0: yeah well and doris she's like what if it was your mother
1: right or something like that yeah uh, but yeah, Mr. Grove, uh, he, well, he, he looks kindly on Doris and seems to appreciate.
0: Yeah. That she's, you know, because she's very, she's very deferential toward him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I know it's not my place. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Soft heart, soft head.
2: The Doris <laughs> Miller story. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, and now the bank has arrived in the form of the two weirdest looking people I have ever seen. <laughs> I was like, are they cartoon characters? Uh, possibly. Possibly. Like, cause the, the head guy is tall and thin and has a weird goatee ish beard. And the the other guy is about a foot and a half shorter and fat and just completely spherical in every dimension. Uh, it's just weird. Yeah. Um,
0: They're like Laurel and Hardy
1: they are except even more so yeah but they are there and harry is there to greet them and and give him his sales pitch essentially um and you know he talks about and he says let's get down to it you can't have a problem with my business methods because or my business plan because there's nothing wrong with it you have a problem with me and they're like, oh, I say, uh, it's an old sport. And, yeah. uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, when he keeps, like, he talks about, like, his, you know, car... Like, they bring up his car accidents. <laughs> like, yes, yes. Your near-fatal car accident is quite amusing. <laughs> right. Like, it's just a really messed up situation. It
1: is. It is.
0: And it's not going very well.
1: No, it isn't. Until... Until... <laughs>
0: Lady May to the rescue!
1: Yes, she comes in and says, Sir Oliver, it's been too long, which I'm sure nobody has ever said sincerely to this guy <laughs> no but he does it, get an
0: insta boner like it's very clear yeah which i don't even understand because she did not even look that cute that day
1: <laughs> well i mean you know i don't imagine again this is Sir oliver we're talking that's about that's true like ugh.
0: maybe he was one of her her admirers back in her gaiety days
1: oh yeah could be no, uh,
0: but- i mean there's a history between them although roly-poly is also kind of like taken aback yeah because it's just not clear to me if bull has called her in because he knows you know she can turn their legs to jelly dear heart (laughs) or if just you know they have a history so it's never it's never made clear
1: right Uh, but she she you know uh, gets her olive roll hot and bothered and says that she's glad he is listening to uh Mr. Selfridge because that's the British way. Like, since when is listening the British way? Like you might want to ask the Boers if listening <laughs> is the British way. I I'm not sure they'd agree.
0: Well, and she drops some uh Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wisdom bombs on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that really apparently changes everybody's mind about everything. Uh,
1: yeah. So uh again, Lady May, uh, Clearly a much better businessman than anybody else on the show.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Yeah. Not that Harry's bad.
0: (sighs) Kitty is waiting out at the tea hut, and we see uh, George Towler skulking around in the background. Sad
1: trombone. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Turns out her mysterious admirer is not Mustache. No. It is George Towler. Yeah. Uh, And she gets really angry. She does. And I'm like, you know, this is the thing about having a secret admirer. <laughs> when you find out the secret, you might not be happy. Yeah.
1: Although, I mean, I have to say, I liked it though, because I, I did feel that it was clear that she was, she was partly angry at herself for having tricked well, she herself. She she did
0: say that. Yeah, she said yeah. that she made a fool of herself. and yeah. That was partly why she was angry. Yeah. He refers to himself again as the likes of me. And <laughs> right. I'm like, seriously, you're fine.
1: Uh, yeah, he is.
0: But, uh, you know, he, he pleads with her that a, a cat can look at the queen, mm-hmm. and she tells him that fortunately this queen is partial to cats and humbugs, which I did not realize was a thing that you would call uh, a person. <laughs> right.
1: Apart from, of course, the Wizard of Oz. Yes. There's also a nice little uh, shot of the tea hut owner in the background of their impassioned <laughs> conversation, completely just un... Picking his nose. Yeah, just uninterested. Flicking
0: it at the scones. <laughs>
1: Uh, back at the store we find out that yes, Lady May's light whoring has done the job and the bank is going to be giving the stock offering, you know, right away or mm-hmm. you know, as just like Harry wanted.
0: Yes, they've asked him to come to the bank to discuss things the mm-hmm. following day. So yeah.
1: back in the mannequin dressing room. <laughs> After dark. Ms. Taller is having a little trouble with her mannequin, if you know what we mean. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: i do <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> she asks mr., um, uh, mr leclerc to help her with this scarf i'm gonna call bullshit here because i liked the scarf that she originally had and he says he thinks it's the wrong color right and i just disagree
1: well he had to change something about the scarf in order to continue the conversation
0: well but he was getting ready to leave and mm-hmm. she you know she told him last episode that he needed to be patient mm-hmm. but she uh she she does it. Yeah. She initiates a kiss. She
1: is out of patience,
2: and, and she
0: she says she wasn't sure if she she did that right, and then he is very sexy and yeah. cute, and is like, "Oh, let's do it. Let's do it again." Yeah. Uh, and it's one of the sexiest things I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> it, it it's. Pretty great. It's super sexy. Yeah. And this is actually, uh, you You had commented actually during the scene with Lady May and Fat Thomas, but it's just such a nice contrast to Downton Abbey where everybody has ice water in their veins.
0: That's true. Yeah, That's very like, true. There's
1: real sexual chemistry mm-hmm. all over this damn show. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it is. uh It's hot. Yeah.
1: Uh Back at the Selfridges, Rosalie is quite anxious about her upcoming soiree. She's
0: crying and saying, I look like Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> why mama why (laughs) she started calling her mother mama and not ma yeah but she still calls
1: harry pa that's true
0: i'm like can you just please be consistent with how you're putting on airs (laughs) that's
1: no that's how you can tell they're put on
0: (laughs) but uh her mother you know tries to talk her down and insists she doesn't need you know her parents to go with her and she'll be fine Mm mm-hmm and downstairs, Lois has come in to see Harry, who is sitting, looking very distraught, Yeah, he's actually. just, like, sitting
1: and smoking with his head in his hands, which is just odd.
0: And she comes in and says, uh, hey, son, uh, I lied to you about your father. And he's like, ma, seriously? Right. Like, are we really talking about this now? I know. Yeah. Like, I've always known. <laughs>
1: uh, she, you know. yeah.
0: And it's it just, it's like, oh my God, it's like way too late. Yeah. To even, and, it, and that's essentially his attitude. He's like, whatever.
1: Yeah. He's yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. look, it's fine. I've made my peace with it. And but it, yeah.
0: he is also, uh, he is, when she leaves, you see that the reason he was sad, he was looking at, you know, his father's photographs
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm like, you need to like, get over it, dude. Yeah. Like if you say you're not going to dwell in the past, how about if you don't dwell in the past?
1: Good plan.
0: But his his reverie is interrupted by Fraser, who informs him that Lady May has arrived.
1: smiling a little extra for the presence of Lady Loxley. Uh Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: She's just light whoring all over the place.
1: (laughs) She is. Uh, She has arrived uh, partly with a warning for Harry that now that they're going public, this will mean his family is in the public as well, which is, I'm not... I don't know why the stock offering makes his family more public.
0: I can than... understand from, like, a press perspective.
1: I suppose. And that,
0: you know, the family is going to be under more scrutiny. And if they're trying to project the image of a family store mm-hmm. and, you know, this Ellen Love business gets trudged up or Rosalie runs off with an asshole, right. like, that would make sense. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah it's strange.
1: Yeah. But... Uh, She's also brought a fan Mm -hmm. uh, for Rosalie.
0: It's very cute. It
1: is very cute.
0: Because Rosalie is wearing a tiara for all of our tiara-loving fashion backwards (laughs) fans out there. Yeah. And she actually does look very, very nice. Mm -hmm. They actually kicked up her hairdressing a
1: notch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. For this one. Yeah.
0: And uh, one thing I noticed in this scene is that... The young actress who plays Rosalie, and I feel like maybe I said this before, but her speech patterns sound so similar to Frances O'Connor's. Yeah. And I feel like maybe they've done that intentionally. And mm-hmm. if so, why didn't they put that level of effort into, you know, making sure their anachronisms weren't horrible?
1: <laughs> right.
0: So Rosalie goes off with Lady May to the soiree. And then, you know, it turns once again into a wacky family sitcom oh, right. where, you know, Mr. Selfridge is like, oh, I can't sleep. My daughter's out with men. Yeah. And running around the stairs and Francis O'Connor is like, you're driving me crazy. No, really. You're driving me crazy. I can't do this anymore.
1: Yeah. So.
0: And that's it ends very abruptly. It does
1: end very abruptly. Yeah. Again, an odd episode. This one.
0: Yeah. Tonally, this, I think, tonally, this one is worse than the next one.
1: I think that, yeah, I think that's true. I think true. that's true. Yeah.
0: Speaking of the next one. <laughs>
1: that's right. Here we go.
0: We see uh, Harry flitting around the yes. Selfridge Manor. In a state uh, reminding Fraser that F.W. likes his mutton well done Which yes. is ridiculous because no one likes mutton, no way
1: <laughs> Well, he likes it very so well done that you can't tell you're eating mutton
0: Okay, so he likes it so well done <laughs> That it seems like you're actually eating boot leather
1: Not mutton Takes me back to my time in the war <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he also says that to make sure that all the other staff have been told. Which the other we've never seen the other staff, but
0: yeah, know. where's that you know opium-addled hairdresser?
1: <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> but yes, they're they're having a guest for dinner. It is uh, F.W. Woolworth, Woolworth or possibly F. Woolworth. I'm not sure if the W is a middle name or not. Of the segregationist Woolworths. Oh.
0: Well, isn't that where they did the oh? You're right. The you're right. In at yeah. The yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, not clear. So I
0: guess we know what side of the war he
1: fought on. <laughs> yeah. But he is in town. Uh, he is. You know, he's 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 a rival for Harry. That's that's what we've got here.
0: Yeah. Although they're also friends, and it's not entirely clear. the The relationship to me feels like Harry worked for him. Yeah. Except that later it seems like he has no idea what his business model is. Right. So it's just like they came up together. Yeah, or something. that's yeah, it's that's basically but also what Woolworth is supposed to be much older than him and it's it's very poorly set up. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. Yeah. What but I should- mean I mean you get a sense of it, it's just it's always a bit ambiguous, mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't I mean I wasn't it didn't take me out it of it. It
0: wasn't bother yeah. It's yeah. only bothersome
1: in the sense that I am now actually thinking about it. <laughs> right. So maybe don't do that. Right.
0: Um, so FW and his wife, who has a name, yeah, Fanny or something. Something like that. Uh they come to the door and the kids run down uh and like clearly rehearsed. You know, right. I expect you know Harry to say, Damn it, kids! Now you don't get to sing so long farewell. <laughs> you know Gordon's supposed to go on the top step. <laughs> He's my son and heir. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but they're they're doing their see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil bit on the stairs. <laughs>
0: Beatrice is trailing just brimstone everywhere she goes.
1: Yeah, she's just the evil.
0: <laughs> um, so F.W. and his wife come in and they're having dinner with uh, the Selfridges, mm-hmm. Lois, and also Rosalie, who's allowed to do grown-up stuff now. Yes. She sits uh, at
1: the big kids' table.
0: So she is explaining, you know, the importance of coming out mm-hmm. uh in, in London, which I don't understand. like that was also important in Chicago. Right. I mean, they did have their own season.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh I I don't know why she's acting like they don't know what's up, but they know, know what's up. Yeah. FW starts talking, and like I I'm pretty sure this guy based his entire character on Peter Falk and the Princess Bride. <laughs> He sounds exactly like him and kind of looks similar.
1: You're, no, yeah, you're right. I mean, particularly on the voice. Mm-hmm. The, it's, it's very... No, I
0: mean, you know, he, yeah. facially he doesn't really look that much like Peter Falk, but like yeah. the mustache I think is what's, what's yeah. doing it for
1: me. Yeah. Oh, I, I can see it.
0: So he's saying that their eldest daughter is marrying one of the wealthiest, you know, bright young things on Wall Street. Stockbroker, yeah. Yeah. And, and his wife reprimands him and And like very nastily reprimands him in front of everybody,: yeah, yeah, causing a bit of awkwardness,
1: indeed uh, and then we then we see Rose and Mrs. Woolworth uh, together, they've you know withdrawn somewhere.: I think
0: they're in a powder room, yeah, like a legit powder room, yeah
1: as Rose is in fact powdering herself yes. um, but yeah, and
0: we all know powdering the nose is certain to elicit a sexual response <laughs> to
1: the men. yeah. Mrs. Woolworth, very unhappy. Uh, she says she misses when he was just starting out. Yes, he worked hard, but we were together. Which is odd to me because I would think they would have been together even less when he was starting out.
0: No, I mean, I think her point is that now he has gotten so big that he has a staff. Yeah. Whereas back then, and you know, she would have been younger. You know, she right, hadn't had right. her kids yet or whatever, I assume. Um, it, it makes sense to me, actually. Okay. It okay. makes sense to me that they would be working together and that he would be leaning on her more yeah. because now that yeah. he's experienced success, you know, it, it he doesn't require the same amount of, like, massaging his ego right. and, and things like that. Right. So, he,
1: he has his own blank and mm-hmm. to do that for exactly. him. Yeah.
0: And and Mrs. Selfridge is a bit perturbed by this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more as a fr- I don't think she sees a particular parallel
1: between right, right. herself
0: it's interesting in this episode because I feel like both Mrs. Woolworth and FW, which by the way, I'm gonna start calling you T E from now on. Uh, uh thanks. You're welcome, T <laughs> E. Oh, you're like E. T. but backwards.
1: That's that's true.
0: E. T. Home Phone.
1: All right. Thanks Listen, a lot, I'm,
0: KA. I go by KA all the time. Yeah, so it's <laughs> fine. Yeah. I'm the FW. <gasps> It's like W. R. William Randolph Hearst. You know,
1: I like this podcast better when we were just starting out.
0: Aw, we were together, <laughs> that's we're right. not even recording it together anymore. <laughs> no. We're just both recording our side of it and then splicing it together. Yeah, that's what's happening.
1: This has been carefully scripted.
0: Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But both of the Woolworths kind of try to draw these parallels. Right. Like, they are explicitly telling Harry and Rose, like, you're, you know, you're just like me, Poindexter. Uh, Yeah. But Harry and Rose are both kind of like, no. Yeah. Because they're not. They're not. They they have a very flawed relationship. Right. If we've seen nothing
2: else, Uh,
0: we can say this with confidence. But again and you saw it in the last episode there is still that affection between them right that we saw in the very first episode right oh right. and also they did it a whole bunch of times they did in the previous episode they did very
1: since harry couldn't sleep anyway
0: they were like "Woo,
1: yeah it was it was a sex party <laughs> uh downstairs in the man room harry and fw
0: man cave tom man <laughs> cave
1: sure if uh, you were a
0: real man, you'd know.
1: I, and I'm not.
0: I am. <laughs> I don't even have childbearing years.
1: <laughs> uh, but they're discussing the fact that uh, FW was going to be opening a Woolworths uh, right right nearby Selfridges. Yeah, I think
0: kind of next door. Kind of next well, and door, yeah. I thought yeah. maybe he was targeting that real estate that they were planning to buy for Selfridges, but I guess not. Yeah. Like I, I thought it was going to be much more of a, a direct, outmaneuver. Yeah. But that's not what happens. I'm actually sure kinda glad that that's not what happens, but we'll get to that later. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so yeah, they're talking about it and and um, you know Harry is worried that Woolworths will be undercutting his prices and Woolworth is like, you know, that's we're we're competing after different uh customers. you you stick with the carriage trade, Harry. And the uh, an
0: eyeliner pops out of the <laughs> fireplace and says, Julia. <laughs>
1: The carriage trade was my idea, you know.
0: Well, farewell. <laughs> um. No, and this is something that bugs me just about retail in general.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because, as we all know, I have many years of experience in retail. <laughs> yeah. But, like, the fact that, you know, FW says, oh, you know, regular people can't shop at Selfridges. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you bothered by that? yeah you know harry's like offended he's like no silver is for everybody i'm like no no, dude super not <laughs> yeah and i've worked at a couple of different luxury retailers i've also worked at the cut rate retailer. <laughs> yeah and they all try to approach business in the same way which is that everybody from every walk of life wants to shop there mm-hmm. which i think is kind of stupid like i understand from a purely cap but like Everybody in capitalism always operates on the assumption that they can make a hundred percent of the market share, right? Right, which is just stupid and impossible,
2: right?
1: And
0: it just really bugs and me. And to one
1: to an extent, it's counterproductive because you know uh, duchesses don't want to shop at places that poor people might be. No, in. exactly, and you poor know, people
0: that's... can't shop places that duchesses might be, and B also don't want to. Right. Right. Um. You know, like. Yeah. There's a difference between Target and Walmart. Right. And, you know, and I'm not casting aspersions on anybody for shopping at either place. Right. And I will say, I think Walmart, you know, because Target now exists, Walmart kind of tried to uh, class itself up in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But again, they would do that in locations that it made sense for the clientele right, that live right. in the surrounding area. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when I used to work at Dress Barn they had a credit card and they were constantly trying to get us to get people to open credit cards. I'm like, you don't understand mm-hmm. people who shop at dress barn. Don't want a credit card. Yeah. They are already in debt. Yeah. Like they don't need another yeah. thing to be in debt to.
1: Yeah. That's, that's why they're shopping for their dresses on a farm. Yeah. That's. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, that's the- also why a dress barn, the sizes are so like, pro tip everybody if you want to feel really good about yourself go shop at dress barn because their sizes like their smallest size is a size four Mm -hmm. and the size four there is like a size eight everywhere else Mm -hmm. so feel really good about yourself uh also everything's made out of polyester so like deal with that all right yeah they do have some really nice business suits okay uh that's what i have to say (laughs) about (laughs) dress barn and my time there but anyway so I am baffled as to why Harry's letting this get under his skin so much. And again, I think this is where, like, if we had a better sense of their history,
1: yeah, this is yeah. where it would
0: be helpful, because it's like, why? Because they said in the thing afterward that Woolworth is supposed to be older than him, but they looked pretty contemporaneous they did, to me. They did. Like, I could see him being maybe 10 years older, but it's like, if his oldest daughter is just now getting married, they have to be within five years of each other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Um and, and the other thing too is by the way, that this is actually going to be good for both stores it's there exactly and it and that's actually kind of historically true that there was for a long time just a general <laughs> belief in the the retail industry in general that you couldn't put stores near where other stores already were that you wanted to have you know a location to mm-hmm. yourself and then you know shopping malls came along and this sort of thing, and everybody realized that no, it's actually better to be near a bunch of other stores. Mm-hmm. everybody's business goes up with that, yeah, but uh yeah
0: oh yeah when he says about you've got the carriage trade <laughs> I felt like Harry wanted to say and cars the car trade <laughs> just because I crashed one <laughs>
1: that's right
0: what if car owners on mass were like we're not shopping at <laughs> anymore they clearly don't understand us <laughs> don't drink and drive that's not true people yeah. drank and drove all the time
1: yeah or why else would you have a car if not to get home from your drinking establishment <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, uh, the, the evening is wrapped up and the Woolworths are escorted out with uh, – I, I think Harry and F.W. are still kind of, like, jockeying for position a little bit as as they leave. Yeah. And it just at, – at the end, uh, they go back – like, Harry goes back in uh, complaining that, you know, nobody's going to tell him what he can't do and yeah. Rose and Ma just look at each other.
0: Yeah, and the which subtext is, is all, why are we all so sad?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I just think that every dinner at the Selfridges ends with Rose and Ma giving each other a look.
0: I wish they had more scenes together of substance.
1: Yeah. Because it feels
0: like there's this barrier between them that I I don't buy, frankly. Yeah. It's like, why would these two women not be leaning on each other more? Yeah. But again, well, we really ought to get the book that this is based on. Yeah, that's true. Because that would probably be really helpful in a lot of ways.
1: Very possibly.
0: Um, But also, I mean, I do think it's kind of on the show
1: right to be telling that, us yeah, these things. we shouldn't have to read the book so mr selfridge is all hot and bothered about this low price plan it's
0: a five and dime store right yeah which is a completely different kind of store like uh,
1: yes but, <gasps> but so okay. he comes in and he's uh he, he's talking to the entire staff and it's like who what can i buy for this and it is a a, a thropenny bit. A
0: thropenny bit. Yes. Which to me sounds like some sort of sadistic equestrian implement.
1: <laughs> right. But
0: apparently, it's, uh, uh, it's a third of a penny.
1: Or it's no. Right? I think no. I think it's three pennies. I oh. think it's a. I think it's a half. Oh, of a, it's a half of a sixpence.
0: Seriously, England. I'm so glad you're on the euro now. <laughs> I know yeah. you're not.
1: Well, they're not on the euro, but they. They. I thought they were. No, no, no. They're not on the euro, but they. Mm-hmm. At some point in the 20th century, switch to a decimal currency oh. so that, you know, it's just pence and pounds, pounds. and okay. there's a hundred. Yeah. So it's. Well, I'll
0: just go back and listen to that Radiohead song, <laughs> Dollars and Cents, again. I'm
1: sure that'll clear it all up. That clears everything up. I know. Uh, but nobody has anything that he can buy with the threepenny bit. The cheapest thing in accessories is sixpence for a handkerchief and finally he keeps insisting does anybody have anything and kitty suddenly excitedly raises her hand and says you can get something or other for a penny you can get
0: a bag of buckeyes
1: yeah in confectionery
0: and everybody looks at her like she's a dum-dum right but we're like you know she did answer the question accurately you
1: didn't specify no confectionery yeah like that was that was odd the reaction of everybody on that i mean
0: i maybe they were sad that that was the only thing but i'm Nobody was coming up with anything before. Yeah. I'm rarely Team Kitty. Right. But I'm Team Kitty on this yeah, one. Yeah,
1: agreed. Uh, we then see Lady May and Rose and- They're
0: at the Selfridges sitting room because I recognize the furniture. Ah, excellent. FYI.
1: Yes. Uh, and there Lady May is paging through her own personal stud book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, <laughs> She is. A set- she's had
0: to put it together herself as she's not. No, she's a member of the peerage.
1: Yeah, she is. So like, why didn't she just bring her stud book? Well, she's, you know, the stud book includes everyone. and She just needs a few eligible That's okay, names. Okay, fair yeah. point. Um, so she's she's listing a few people. One who is uh the heir to the something of Northampton. And she's like, oh, much too far and too cold. Well, Northumberland. Northumberland. Actually. Oh, yes. Northumberland.
0: I remember my Henry IV.
1: Yeah. Northumberland much farther, mm-hmm. in fact. Um but it's so a
0: whole Umberland away.
1: <laughs> yes. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> thank you.
0: Good night, everybody. Podcast <laughs> over. Yeah. That was the funniest thing I've ever said.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so she's like, oh, and we'll stick with the home counties. And Rose is like, what are we doing? Uh,
0: <laughs> it's like, haven't you been doing this for like an hour? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> i don't know maybe rose just well you know she is married to harry at some point when people like keep telling her new ideas she's like i
1: can't anymore well her inner monologue had just been uh a pinwheeling vision of that portrait <laughs>
0: beatrice runs out of the room she's been sticking her with a pin um. <laughs> she gave her this weird thing to drink <laughs>
1: <gasps> oh. yes uh but rose is like oh no uh rosalie will marry for love when she marries and lady may is like oh i guess you don't need me anymore bye um i mean i that I sounds really, harsh on lady may that's not... i really
0: like this scene yeah, yeah yeah clearly you didn't get it so let me talk about it I'm fine uh no because lady you know lady may is a hard woman but yeah. i think we see just a little bit of softness uh you know, because Rose says, you know, she'll marry for love. And Lady May says something about, you know, how lucky Rosalie is to have a mother like you. Most parents try to use their children to leave their mark on the world. Uh, I know that's what I would have done. Because Lady May does not have any children. Right. right. Uh, and and, you know, Rose then tries to patch it up by saying, Oh, we know we really appreciate the interest that you've taken in Rosalie. And Lady May, as you say, is like, Oh, well, I you would like that now to come to an end. And Rose is like, No, why
2: Mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. why
0: would i say that i yeah. just stay let's talk about these home county people <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah she's like well we could introduce her to these people. yeah and yeah. i mean
0: i no, don't know no, no. they, yeah, do, yeah, they yeah. come to a different understanding of each other yeah
1: that is no that's true
0: you know we can't all marry a huckster <laughs>
1: <gasps> that's not what hucksters would have you believe <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's only so many to go around <laughs> you just lucked out
1: that <laughs> that is true uh
0: yeah and we also find out that there is another soiree at lady May's the following night and yeah. rosalie will be attending uh and that is why they're going through these right these, right, right you know uh stud book things to yeah. figure out who rosalie should be talking to
1: mm-hmm. in the accessories department uh mr grove is talking to doris and kitty um
0: He just tells them that he'll be interviewing the two of them over the next two days, and then they'll make the decision about who's going to be senior assistant in
1: accessories. Right. So uh, the tensions are high, and uh, we get some wacky hijinks Mm -hmm. where they kind of walk into each other, and then... They apparently
0: forget how to pass another person. (laughs) They're so
1: excited about the senior sales associate job that...
0: And there's plenty of room in accessories (laughs) to maneuver. I don't know why they've chosen to do this. Yeah. Yeah, and so... Then we get a scene of Mr. Selfridge in his office with Mr. Crab, and he's really grilling uh, Mr. Crab about Mrs. Crab's <laughs> shopping habits. Yeah, he's apparently decided to build his entire strategy <laughs> around Mrs. Crab. Right. And Mr. Crab is so cute. <laughs> yeah, he is like ah, he, he is, is the cool. cowbell of Mr. Selfridge.
1: <laughs> he is, um, but she's she's apparently quite thrifty, and she keeps a tight rein on their their finances and, and whatnot, and thus has never shopped at Selfridge's Mm -hmm. herself. Uh, She is, in fact, a traitor. Uh, Yeah,
0: she's really excited about Woolworth's. Yeah. And so this, you know, fans the flame (laughs) of Mr. Selfridge's self-righteous anger even further. Right. Although, then we get a scene of him pitching this sale to to the staff. And it's, you know, because sometimes he's kind of insufferable, but at the same time, he is just so encouraging everybody he's like yeah you know, i want your ideas i want you to figure out uh how to slash these prices and he tells miss martle it's raining all the time although we never see it rain well that's once true. in this episode <laughs> eyeliners like it costs money to make it rain <laughs> i learned that from a rap song <laughs> that i found on MySpace. <laughs> oh eyeliner <laughs> You're our silver medal. <laughs> uh, so he tells Miss Martle to slash umbrella prices to 50%. Yeah. But then Miss Martle, being the industrious, uh, capable worker that she is, you mm-hmm. know, says, oh, we could, you know, do a whole sale across the store. Yeah. Uh, and, instead of just doing it at New Year and right. call it a mid season sale. And this, again, is SOP everywhere now. I right. mean, most stores right. will have a New Year's sale and then they have their summer sale. Yeah. So and we're seeing history in action. That's
1: right, and discounts at all times and you know, mm-hmm. constantly shifting discounts. Uh then after this, Mr. Grove pulls Harry aside for a moment and asks him about Miss Bunting and whether it would be possible to give her a reference, and he just immediately says, I can't give references to people who are dishonest. That's that's all there is yeah. to it. Which, uh, I mean, I, you know, and I really think, I don't think he has a choice, personally. No, I because don't either. The, because,
0: I mean, look, the fact of the matter is that she stole from him. Yeah. And I mean, he can't, you know, he can't, you can't give a reference for somebody in that situation.
1: Right, you can't. I mean, and it would devalue every other reference you give if, you know, sort of word gets around, you know, that you've, that you've, you know, essentially falsified a reference. Yeah. I, I mean, I just don't see. I don't know. Yeah
0: i think she'd do better to you know go out and, and try and find somebody to lie for her you know what i mean yeah yeah like, i don't i don't know which is not something that i really endorse in general but it's right. like i just feel like there's got to be and you know again it's a much more stringent yeah time period for that kind of thing but i'm like there's got to be something
1: you can do you would think but i mean i don't know there may not be yeah yeah she um, needs to go
0: find uh ethel
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, that'll work out great.
0: Yeah. Well, she could babysit Charlie. <laughs> That's true. And get paid with Ethel's whore money. It's <laughs> perfect, I tell ya. Except it's ten years too early. <laughs> right.
1: There are a variety of problems there. <laughs> then we have a scene which, in a moment of absent-mindedness, I say, oh, we see Ellen Love, and what's-his-name, with the nose. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Tom's referring to Tony Trapp.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, but they have arrived at the Palm Court. Um... They're together now, and Ellen Love, her sort of demeanor throughout the rest of this episode is is just a little odd to me. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily, but she's sort of like mournful, I guess. In no, a way. she does
0: seem really well. She did try to kill herself, oh, or that's true. At least true. pretended to,
1: yeah. Yeah, because she's well, established her... this new life, but she doesn't seem – like, she doesn't seem particularly unhappy with it, but well, she doesn't seem – but it's seem... like
0: you've also got to figure when you start a new life, you're not feeling very
1: confident about it. Yeah, that's so true. So
0: she's also changed her hair, and I'm not sure I like it. Yeah, yeah. I also don't understand how it works. <laughs> right. Like, I'm like, wait, I saw your hair before. Yeah. Why – she's got, like, all these tiny, tiny ringlets now. Yeah.
1: I guess that's what uh, serious, act- serious actresses wear these Interesting. days, apparently. Victor shows her to a table, but she would rather have the table in the middle.
0: Where she used to sit. Right. With Mr. Selfridge. And she says he can move her when Mr. Selfridge comes in
1: on his morning round. Right. Which Victor, I
0: feel that Mr. Perez and Victor have really dropped the ball on this one. Yeah.
1: Like, you can just say, no. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, it's it's your restaurant. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: duh. Mm-hmm.
1: Outside of Mr. Grove's office, we see Doris waiting in the hallway, and Kitty comes out and uh, discusses her just completed interview in a very kittyish way.
0: Mm-hmm. She's like, "Oh, I thought he was going to give me the job straight on the spot." Oh, Kitty, I'm oh, the Regina George of Edwardian <laughs> England. And Doris is like, "I'm clearly like she just reminds me of like Eeyore somehow. <laughs> I don't know. Her face looks very like yeah, horsey." <laughs> like she's not unpretty no, no, no. She, she's yeah yeah but she's just got this like big dumb face <laughs>
1: <laughs> our apologies to Doris uh, but she goes in for her interview and Mr. Grove Mr. Grove should have been a mortician is really his you know what he looks
0: exactly
1: like a mortician yeah and just
0: he's got the bedside manner for it yeah and the sort Ugh, of can you imagine how awful it must have been to be his invalid wife Ugh.
2: <laughs> Yeah,
0: his wife had been trying to die for twelve years, (laughs) and she just couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, but yeah, and so the interview, he asks Doris what where she sees herself, and Doris uh, apparently has not read uh, frequently asked questions on job (laughs) interviews uh, because that you know she does not have an answer prepared for that, and Mm -hmm. he's like, "Well, do, do you see yourself?" you know, running the department possibly. And she says, well, actually no, that she's come to realize that she wants, she doesn't want to end up by herself. Like Miss Bunting. Mm -hmm. She wants to marry and have children. Uh, And Mr. Grove is, uh, well, it's always hard to tell with Mr. Grove because his facial expressions are almost always very like muted. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he, he has like a little ghost of a smile on his face as the interview ends um and it's it's a bit odd.
0: Yeah, it is very strange. Yeah. Down in the palm court, Mr. Suffrage is blustering his way in, <laughs> you know, babbling on about various things. Uh he's having a bit of an argument with Mr. Perez. Right. About the sale and and adjusting the menu. Mm-hmm. Tony victor fat thomas <laughs> jesus because that's the worst part there is a character named tony yeah i know who he's, actually he's looks, in the room he looks like a slightly more attractive version of george towler like it's just this horrible <laughs> triangle of awfulness yeah so uh fat thomas goes up and says oh you know i've got cool <laughs> i've got ideas and you know mr perez is like shut up <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's pretty much it yeah <laughs> and
0: mr Selfridge goes He goes in to the palm court, and oh dear, who should it be but Ellen Love and Tony Travers? Yeah. So, guess what Ellen Love does? She (laughs) stands up and goes, Harry. And then she's like, Mr. Self. I'm like, why
1: are you doing this? Yeah. I just,
0: I don't know what they think they're accomplishing.
1: I don't either. Yeah.
0: So, he, you know, he tries to play nice. He, and actually, this is actually a fine bit of acting on Jeremy Piven's part. because He says, how are you? I heard you had, uh... And he's going to be like, oh, I heard you had a suicide attempt. Oh, right. And her face is like, bra, don't go there. And he's like, oh, shit. Uh, I heard you left the gaiety. Uh, yeah. She's like, oh, yeah. Um, well, she
1: says, oh, that seems so long ago. And I'm like, it's been I've, like a week. I've taken so many new drugs since then.
2: <laughs>
0: What's this new one called? <laughs> Heroin? <laughs> no, and when he greets them, he's, you know, oh, Miss Love, Travers. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, tra- Tony Travers is like his new movie. Yeah hello harry (laughs) so they have an awkward situation and then finally they leave you know she's saying oh even though i'm no longer the spirit of the store i'm like you know that nobody ever believed that right yeah like nobody yeah and also what how can you be the spirit of anything it doesn't make any sense
1: it doesn't uh
0: so they leave and mr perez comes up to mr Selfridge, and mr Selfridge is like oh if they ever come in here again you need to tell me because I don't want to bump into them. And yeah. I'm Like again, Mr. Perez, you are the worst pimp slash mater dealer.
1: <laughs> right. This falls under both of your job I categories.
0: Know! Oh, he's the worst. <laughs> then we see Lady May uh, seductively eating a spoonful of ice cream.
1: Yeah. This shot brought to you by Cinemax.
0: <laughs> I think you mean stars.
1: <laughs>
0: so she's eating this ice cream and. Uh, Fat Thomas is there with her explaining that, you know, he's made these very small portions of ice cream mm-hmm. and that, you know, when the party is getting hot and everyone's running out of things to say, you can bring them out and kind of make it an event. Right, right. Uh And she's like, okay, whatever. Maybe yeah. I'll think about it. And he's like, oh, and tell them the best confectionery chef in London made them and I'll find a backer for my restaurant. And she's like, hold up.
1: She's like, you're what? Huh? Who are you?
0: <laughs> Have you been here the whole time? <sighs> And she's like, "Don't rush me. Yeah. Which you look, man, you do have <laughs> to kind of like, if you're in a completely supplicating position, you can't be asking for shit.
1: Yeah. Well, because he, he wants her to look at a possible site for the restaurant. She says, "Are you asking me to go to Soho?": It's
0: amazing. Yeah. 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 Lady May. marry me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, clearly, arrested development came back this week.
1: <laughs> right. It did
0: <laughs> on Netflix.com. uh they're not paying us that would be great if they were though they were yeah yeah and so he's all butt hurt (laughs) right but you know to soothe his jangled nerve she does tell him to instruct the kitchen about the ice cream and oh be sure to let yourself out the back way (laughs) it wouldn't do to have you running into any of the guests right and he gets all bristly and i'm like dude you're the help yeah on a variety of levels yeah get used to it no, man,
1: Quit- even when she's backing your restaurant, you're going to be the help. You'll exactly. still be the help.
0: like I don't think you understand how wealth and nobility work.
1: <laughs> right.
2: <sighs>
1: yeah, we then, oh my God, get another sexy shot of Agnes Towler putting on some lipstick and having a sexual response.
0: uh she. Does look like she had a little mini gasm. Yeah. While she was doing it. She has amazing lips. Like, I had a sexual reaction. <laughs> I was like, Miss Towler, I didn't know you felt that way.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, but she is. Uh, she has just finished dinner with <gasps> Monsieur Leclerc.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She asks if she can help him clear away the dishes, and he says, no, he's already finished. Mm. And he doesn't. He looks like he just, like, threw the dishes to one side of the table i'm like i like your style <laughs> and then he's like Wee oui, oui let me just put the record on the new iphoneograph it is all the rage in france
1: <laughs> yeah i'm sorry that you haven't been doing your no well, it's it's fine it's, are you
0: self-conscious about it now uh
1: possibly
0: <laughs> well luckily i have no shame
1: yeah no it's 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 going to be fine everybody don't worry <laughs> um but yes, and she asks uh, what the record is, oh, and it's an opera. I think it's La Bohème. I think it is too. Yeah, because he says it's about two students.
0: Mm-hmm. They both they have the AIDS. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> they live uh, how you say La Bohème. <laughs> oh wait, that is my language. I don't know why I said how you say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they're they're talking and they're having this you guys seriously forget before sunrise or whatever like, this is my jam right here because they start talking about uh, she says to him oh you know you think of everything that you do is like a play or a story and he's like yeah. design is all about story which is kind of a revolutionary thing at this time hmm and she says that someday she wants a job like his. And he says, Oh, you, you pretend to like me so that you can take my job. And yes. she says, You found me
1: out.
0: <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, oh, hey, Agnes Teller starting to lob back.
1: Uh, yeah. Gonna yeah. win
0: the French Open. <laughs> Mouth kissing. If you know what I'm saying.
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And Monsieur Leclerc goes in, uh, and lets her hair down. Again. Old
0: one pin tower. Yeah,
1: well she had her quick release hairstyle in (laughs) because she
0: she, knew Yeah. She knew where this was going. Uh, Yeah.
1: They 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 both knew where this was going. Yeah. And and it proceeds to go there.
0: Yeah. Well, because they asked if she's sure and she's like, Yeah, have you seen yourself?
1: (laughs) Duh. Yeah.
0: She's like, make love to me like one of your French girls.
1: (laughs) I I do not understand that reference.
0: (laughs) Good. (laughs) You can read more in my fan fiction Old One Pin Towler Meets Monsieur Leclerc."
1: Not a very alluring title, but
0: Uh, It's a work in progress (laughs) (laughs) What if it was just one pin Towler?
1: (laughs) It would be better Uh, So we then see Lady May's soiree Uh, In full swing That's right rosalie is introduced to a couple rich young dudes
0: yeah and we had a real serious disagreement yeah i thought the one on the left was super hot yeah and you thought the one on the right was super hot
1: yeah oh i mean i just thought i i mean i thought the one on the right was clearly more attractive and you disagreed so, uh, yeah, because you're wrong well cousins
0: cousins <laughs> did you find one of those brothers more attractive than the other one if so we'd like to hear your story
1: yeah we actually would in this case
0: yeah <laughs> we should do a survey on the facebook page
1: <laughs> yeah yeah uh
0: yeah and they offer to get rosalie some champagne causing mr Selfridge to go champagne It's like what did you think was gonna happen bitch it's a soiree
1: yeah soiree equals champagne
0: haven't you seen the great gatsby
1: i don't understand your reference
0: Oh Harry, it's a novel that hasn't been written yet. You can read all about that in my fan fiction, "The Condescending Rosalie Selfridge."
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and then we cut to later in the soirée where Mr. Selfridge and Mr. Woolworth are having a talking like this contest.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, it's Jack
1: <laughs> Yes. Yeah. No, but they are—they are—they are like surrounded by a circle. Of of other men, and uh, sort of sniping at each other mm-hmm. about the upcoming, well, because he he uh, you know Mr. Selfridge tells him that he's got his sale that's starting the day before Woolworth's is going to open, mm-hmm. and uh, Woolworth is telling him that he doesn't know what he's doing and he's not gonna you know he he's like you know you got to drive down the cost of your suppliers, drive down the 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 prices and. Uh, uh big stock, fast turnover, low profit margins. It's not magic, but you've got to be experienced to do it right.
0: But that's, again, not even what he's trying to do.
1: Well, indeed.
0: You know, he's trying to create the illusion that people who can't afford to shop at Selfridges can, in fact, afford to shop there. Right. Which works. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you know, he isn't, like, Selfridges isn't going to become a bargain basement. Right. Like, that's it's not-, not...
1: Well, because Woolworth tells him he needs to, like, treat his staff like not have not offer such good mm-hmm. service yeah. essentially and salvage is like we can that's ne- we're never going to do yeah. that and he's like well then screw you
0: but again i don't understand what they're fighting about right because they aren't having a conflict
1: well but they are kelly but they're not but they are but they're there's, not there's a whole circle of people watching their conflict
0: because no one has invented tv yet <laughs> go listen to la Bohème and mr leclerc's don't do that. Yeah, don't. Don't interrupt them. No. I swear to God. <laughs> they kind of come to a conclusion Ooh. of their argument. Right. And it turns out uh, Rose comes up and she's asking where... I wish I could remember her name. Yeah. I feel like it's Nancy, but maybe not.
1: It might not be. I don't
0: know. Um, so she asks where Mrs. Woolworth is. And uh, Mr. Woolworth says she's not feeling tip-top, so he needs to go get yeah. back to her
1: she she keeps trying to kill herself for some reason <laughs> not sure why
0: uh so then rose excuses herself and says she's gonna go check on on rosalie and mm-hmm. mr Selfridge is like good idea champagne
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm-
0: she wanders back into the billiards room where rosalie is laughing and talking with a young man again these people are so poorly chaperoned <laughs> yeah, they really are She walks in, and uh, Rosalie is hanging out with, who should it be, but one Roddy the Rodent Temple. Uh, yeah.
1: Dun, dun, dun. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: Well, and, you know, Rosalie introduces her, and she's like, oh, right, because he he made that lovely painting of you. That
1: painting is not lovely.
0: Is that painting going to be in season two? Oh,
1: oh my God.
0: (laughs) That's just it's the jaunty credits music <laughs> but it's just it's just
1: that painting. with like fiery red eyes <laughs>
0: I and mean, he just keeps
1: zooming
0: oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> it's just Beatrice laughing <laughs> that painting is so terrible <laughs>
1: oh painting yeah almost as terrible as roddy temple but who
0: is pretty he's terrible like, he's It is so unbelievable because we were like oh like because you know even like in like one of our last experience you know he's like oh your husband doesn't love you the way that i do yeah yeah which is kind of you know you can at least empathize with that yeah you like you know you fell in love with her yeah maybe yeah. he was a little petulant but like not mm-hmm. that big of a deal yeah, like and, you know, did he cross some boundaries sure? Right. But, you know, people have all these ideas about love conquering all. Yeah,
1: like up until this point it's been like okay, fair play. Yeah. But this is this is This is dirty. Yeah.
0: This is filthy. Yeah. And we are again it. We're very
1: much again it.
0: What's worse, Roddy Temple or the painting?
1: Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a very good question. You know
0: what? I think it's Roddy Temple because he made the Yeah. Painting, you know? Yeah.
1: That was. We should have known when we saw that painting. (laughs) Like this guy's bad.
0: (laughs) So somehow they get rid of Rosalie. Yeah. Uh, You know she has to go. You know, dumped it up elsewhere. Sure. And so she starts talking to him, and he, you know, she tries to keep it polite, Mm -hmm. and then he is all like, you know. And she's like, I'm a married woman. And I'm like, granted, that doesn't mean that much in Edwardian England. Like, adultery was all the rage. Yeah. But again, they're American. So they're bound to be a bit more puritanical despite Harry's proclivities. Right. Yeah. And then he, like, she, like, tries to, like, walk away from him. And he says something like, oh, you didn't tell me you had such a lovely daughter. Yeah. And he gets super rapey. Yeah. Super fast.
1: Yeah. It's it's very unpleasant. Mm Mm-hmm. We then get a quick shot that is very pleasant of Miss Towler, who was not disappointed by oh, the Leclerc no. experience. No, she is content.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Waking up in his bed, in fact.
1: Yeah, yeah. The next morning at the Selfridges, uh, they are all heading out uh, to church. As it turns out, except for Rosalie, who has a headache.
0: Oh, it's Rosalie's first hangover. It, it is from her- sh- 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 champagne. <laughs>
1: It is. She has uh, learned a valuable lesson, and uh, also, they don't apparently care about church that much.
0: Mm-hmm. You hmm know. I don't know. The kids all had their prayer books.
1: Well, I'm just, I'm just saying that they. You know, she got out of it kind of easy. Yeah, she seems did. Seems to me.
0: I would not have gotten out of it that easily. Yeah.
1: Like, if you have a hangover, you need church all the more.
0: <laughs> that was more or less what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess the store is closed on Sundays, Oh, uh-huh. uh, which... I used to try to like labor organize and, and not very well. <laughs> right. I was not an effective, but I would just ask people, I'd be like, don't you think we should have Sunday off? I was mm-hmm. like, don't you think it's ridiculous that we have to be open seven days a week? And they would just look at me
2: <laughs>
0: like the blank dead eyed sheeple. They were <laughs> no, but I mean, I just, you know, the most stores have truncated hours on Sundays, right, right? but I think it would do a lot for morale and it would drive up demand. Like, yeah. you know, people got to shop sometime.
1: I, yeah, I, anyway,
0: I just think, look, I really think that there should be, and agreed upon day off for retail. Okay. And restaurants. That That's I'm, how I feel. I'm fine with that. Thank you. <laughs>
1: uh
0: yeah, but it's it's everybody's day off because Miss Martle goes over to Mr. Grove's house. Yes. Which boundaries, but also he's the worst.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he uh he he lets her in and then looks both ways before closing the door behind her. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't want anybody to have seen her come mm-hmm. in. That's yeah. Um, but he is, he's packing up clothes. Uh, he says he's just sorting through some of Hetty's things and he's going to give them to the charity, but he has a, a relative? relative in need. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to see what's suitable. Um,
0: uh, I'll tell you what's really suitable is Miss Martell's dress. She looks hot.
1: Okay. I didn't happen to notice oh, it. Her but. dress,
0: her dress and, uh, Rose's black number that looked like McGee's dress. And actually, the dress that Mi- uh, not Michi, yeah. the the dress that Rose was wearing at the very top of this episode mm-hmm. for dinner with the Woolworths, like yeah. those are my three favorite outfits that anybody wears. Okay, FYI, in
1: case you're interested. <laughs> all right. It's yeah, it's just an unpleasant scene, as they all are in in the Groveld relationship. It's <laughs> the Groveld. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like it. It started out creepy and disturbing mm-hmm. when they had that bath
0: uh <laughs> oh god that yeah. was the worst bath ever yeah
1: and then like for a minute it seemed kind of sweet and then now it's just gone back to super creepy and upsetting
0: yes yeah very much so because he starts crying about how much he misses his dead wife right and she like comforts him and then they have you know terrible grief sex yeah uh the kind that makes no one happy yeah and oh it's just it's uh these scenes again brilliantly acted Uh, right deeply uncomfortable No, this has now replaced all the scenes with reg towler aka drunky (laughs) mcginn yeah as the things that were like yeah not so much with this right more more one pin towler
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes uh who we then see
0: (gasps) yeah we do
1: uh she is in in spittlefields
0: That sounds disgusting.
1: It does. Uh, but she's there with Monsieur Leclerc. It is a, uh, it is a market for, uh, poor people. Yes. Um, who are the sort they're now trying to attract, apparently. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: They're having a little discussion about how he never went to the market as a child because he did not live that kind of life. He grew up in a chateau. Yes. You're fairy prince in a castle, Mm -hmm. she says.
0: No, and I really like, she's, she's giving as good as she's getting here. Yeah. It's just really inspiring to see, such a like relationship between equals you mm-hmm. know what i mean it's really fun yeah. and, Like seeing her kind of rise to the occasion
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: as miss Towler always does so yeah. i don't know why i'm surprised right
1: but it, well it's not surprised but pleasant nonetheless mm-hmm. and he sees a display of apples and the light of inspiration crosses his face and i'm just excited because i think the next window at selfridge's is just gonna be nothing but apples <laughs> <laughs> just top to bottom
0: yeah i like that the palm <laughs> <laughs> yeah Um, (laughs) so uh fat thomas is sitting on some steps and agnes comes down the steps Mm -hmm. i guess they're near her house but she's got a bouquet of flowers which i assume that monsieur leclerc bought her right uh, after he deflowered her he wanted
1: to reflower yeah uh
0: it's just polite yeah (laughs) And so uh, Fat Thomas says that he just came to look in on Agnes and see how she was doing. And she says, oh, you know, my horrible landlady's at her sister's house come in for a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. So he does come in and she's, you know, apologizing about, oh, you know, uh, this coffee isn't going to be Italian like you're used to. But like, you know, shut up and drink it. Uh, Right. And she's arranging her flowers, which she said, we're just going cheap.
1: Yes, yes. At the market. Yeah.
0: Uh, so he's complaining to her about how Lady May has screwed him over. Yeah. Uh, literally and figuratively. Yeah. In a biblical I'll, sense.
1: Uh, right. Well, except he doesn't mention, you know, her by name. Right. But it's I just... also
0: think that it's pretty clear what's been going on. I suppose.
1: I I'm not sure. I mean, what I will they're say. They're both very
0: polite. They they're would both... never. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I will say, by the way, it occurred to me, as well, you know, both of you are banging well above your station. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. I don't know what you're complaining about. No,
0: they're boxing well above their class. Yeah. So, you know, they're just chatting and she's saying, oh, you know, you'll you'll get them, Fat Thomas. <laughs> and he's like, thanks.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it.
0: <laughs> and there's, a, there's some kind of like, you know, embroidered thing, like hanging up. In, uh-huh. in the tower residence and yeah. I'm like does that say bless this mess <laughs> or like hang in there baby
1: <laughs> you don't have to be crazy to live here but it helps
0: <laughs> but I couldn't see what it said all oh, right so just you know pick which one you like the best
1: <laughs> and imagine it in your dreams um
0: but try not to think about that painting
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible <laughs> it haunts me <laughs> Even in my waking hours.
0: (laughs) It's the worst painting. It is.
1: Then we're back at Mr. Groves. Uh, He is rebuttoning his shirt after their joyless grief sex. And he says, this was wrong. And the only way this scene could have gone well at this point is if at that moment a runaway bus had crashed into the room and (laughs) run him down. Like, that's... uh. Oh,
0: come on. A stray bullet. (laughs) Sure. I don't know what kind of neighborhood he lives in.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. He's so the worst.
0: So he starts... Giving Miss Martle all this shit about yeah. how oh Hetty's not in her grave barely and it's like dude yeah. in what way is this better than you banging her while she was alive
1: right oh, I don't it's understand so it. it's so it is wrong the and upsetting worst. and it and is
0: very very terrible yeah. and he says oh maybe we should go on a break yeah and she's like fuck you we should go on a break but she like kind of tentatively agrees right but I mean. You know, because he's still
1: saying you have to be patient with me or whatever. mm -hmm. And And she's out of patience. Yeah. She's
0: been patient for 12 years. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they're finding that they want different things. You know, she wants to be with him and he wants to be a complete fucking (laughs) asshole.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And and she leaves and she's crying as she walks away and it's it's it's
0: No, and she's not nearly as shoveled as Agnes Towler was when she left her, you know, Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Her, her her
1: afternoon delight. Yeah.
0: Uh Miss Martle is quite unkempt and yeah. it is not fun to watch.
1: It was it was not a delight. Speaking of the worst. <laughs> Uh the Selfridges arrive back from church. Well
0: it's just Mrs. Selfridge.
1: Well you're right. It's just Mrs. Selfridge, so I don't know where the others went. Um do they have donuts after church? There? Probably that, I don't that, know. That was how it she was, was just our-
0: like, All right, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus was good. I'm going home now. <laughs>
1: And, and, and the, the you know,
0: minister- we've been reading the same book over <laughs> and over for thousands of years, and, and everybody the- still seems kind of fucked
1: up. <laughs> and the minister was like, oh, yeah, Jesus is good. That was the whole point. You're, you're free to go, <laughs> <Your> man. <ma'am>. excuse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to take a donut.
1: <laughs> uh, but for whatever reason, she has arrived home only to discover Roddy freaking Temple in the drawing room. Flirting it up. With Rosalie. Like
0: giving her a drawing a drawing lesson.
1: lesson, basically in the same way that Thomas showed what's his name how to wind a clock,
0: yeah, <laughs> not fat thomas no, regular thomas yeah. um,
1: <laughs> Jimmy Kent, yeah
0: Jimmy Kent, yeah ah j k
1: and Rose is of course. Furious.
0: As we were similarly very furious, yeah, because this is yeah. so inappropriate. It's
1: wildly inappropriate. Like, he's
0: not—he's not that old, but he's definitely closer to Rose's age than Rosalie. Yeah, and he is just—he's clearly a terrible person.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, and she first, you know, chastises Rosalie mm-hmm. when they're both together, saying, "Oh, I thought you were—I thought you were too sick to go to mm-hmm. church." Which is, uh, yeah, good point. Come on, Rosalie. <laughs> but yeah, and and
0: I don't know why anybody in this house ever thinks they can have somebody over and not have everyone find out. Right. Like, everybody always finds out.
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, everybody has to go through Fraser. Uh huh. I mean, that's uh, what. What are you thinking?
0: Like, go somewhere else. Go to his studio.
2: Mm.
1: Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. But uh, yeah, she you know tells Roddy to never come back, and he's like, meh, meh, and. It's it's bad. Yeah. Back at Selfridges.
0: <laughs> yes. Land of light and good. <laughs> Monsieur Leclerc is asking uh, Miss Revillius for a hundred pairs of shoes. Although at first she thinks that he's asking for women's underwear to display in the window. And he says, you know, he thinks that would be great. It would be a vision. But sadly, convention dictates otherwise. <laughs> yeah. So he gets a hundred pairs of men's shoes uh, to build his window. Yeah. And then we cut to the upstairs office area. Ugh, boring Gordon yeah. has been brought to the day of the sale.
1: Why did you bring him? I hate
0: him. Yeah. He's ugh, he is exactly Chloe Grace Moritz. <laughs> and I like, like, I like Chloe Grace Moritz. Okay. But I think she's doing this to make me upset.
1: <laughs> she's playing Gordon?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, how can I upset Kelly Anakin, who I've never met?
1: <laughs> Manager's like who? Oh, I've heard the podcast.
0: Yeah. So they they come to Mr. Selfridge's office and uh Fat Thomas is there and Blankensop is it blankensop? Yeah. Okay. Blankensop but I think Crab's there too, isn't he? I don't know. I don't know. Look, some people are there. Yeah. And Blankensop is like, oh, Mr. Corleano is here to see you and he doesn't have an appointment. And uh he tells Mr. Selfridge he has an idea about ice cream. Which causes dumb, stupid, boring <laughs> Gordon to go, oh, ice cream, dad. Because Mr. Selfridge is like, oh, I'll give you three yeah. minutes. And then when they find out it's about ice cream, he's like, I'll give you five. <laughs> ice cream.
1: My son's going to destroy this store.
0: <laughs> ice cream. You. That's the only thing Gordon has said anything about <laughs> is ice cream. <laughs> he said it in the first episode.
1: It's true. 20 years is just going to be Selfridge's ice cream <laughs> emporium. <laughs>
0: It's just boxes and boxes of ice cream all slowly melting and Gordon sitting on a throne made of ice wearing a plastic crown and drinking ice cream that's melted from a goblet. So it's basically like Candyland. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's going to go great. Uh,
0: yeah. So So Fat Thomas pitches mr selfridge on the ice cream idea that he gave lady may right which i think is great i think his resilience is a good thing i agree uh and mr selfridge is like boom that's great because you know he's like oh you know people will be offered ice cream in the store yeah we can also sell candied fruit
1: yeah he says like they do at world's fairs. yes yeah and
0: you know you'd think you would have Mr. Selfridge at World's Fairs. Oh, you got Gordon who says, we should have hamburgers. And everybody's like, shut the fuck up.
1: Yeah. You can't sell hamburgers for a penny, you stupid asshole.
0: (laughs) We should have mutton hamburgers.
1: Everybody loves mutton.
0: (laughs) Nobody does. That would be a great sitcom. Everybody loves mutton.
2: (laughs) No, they don't. (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) Nope.
1: Show brought to you by the Mutton Council. (laughs) Gross.
0: (laughs) So, Mr. Grove is telling Kitty and Doris. That he has made a decision about the senior assistant position. Yes. And will they please send Miss Martle to his office because he'll tell her his decision.
1: Yes. And he also hands a bag of clothes to Dora saying this is for that charity mm-hmm. we spoke of. A.K.A. Miss Bunting. Right. So it wasn't a relative at all. So, yeah. So, so he tells them to send Miss Martle up to his office and, and we, we see him up there and, and she arrives. Uh, and it's, you know, another unpleasant scene mm-hmm. uh, where she.
0: Well, because he says he wants to give the position to Doris because she's like soft hearted. Right. And she's like, Kitty would be way better. She has drive and ambition. Yeah. And he's like, oh, she's so sharp and hard. And she's like, yeah. So she won't get taken advantage of. And then yeah. it's like, boom. Yeah. To the mattresses. Like, what are we really talking about here? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and so basically she says, all right, if you're not going to marry me, then I get to choose who the senior sales associate is, which isn't that much of a consolation prize. It but, really is not. Yeah. But
0: then Mr. Grove himself is not much of a prize. No. But she likes him. Right. She likes him. For He's whatever terrible. reason. She likes him. Yeah. yeah. And so then they go downstairs to you know, tell Doris and Kitty. And Kitty reacts as if she's just one Miss America. Oh right. And it's just ugh.
1: Yeah. And Miss Martle is standing uh well behind Mr. Grove the whole time, like very like just uninvolved. Like and... the runner up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Then we get a scene of a woman trying on, well, it's, it's the sale, right? You the know. Sale. Oh, the sale is starting and people are running and beating each other to death <laughs> with umbrellas <laughs> right. and ripping camisoles apart. And it's yeah. madness, I'll tell you, madness.
1: Yeah. yeah. Just the sort of scene a duchess would love.
0: <laughs> oh, this is ever so much more diverting than the theater. <laughs> Uh, So there's a woman trying on a very large hat and she's looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I don't usually buy large hats. And then Kitty, newly promoted to senior Mm -hmm. sales assistant, comes up and says, oh, go on then. I would. (laughs) And actually, she's a very effective salesperson. Yeah. I I think Miss Martle was correct. Yeah. Because Doris is just too stupid.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know. Can't argue with it.
0: And then – Come to find You know The people are buying The candies And the ice creams And just everything's Going yeah. really well yeah. Everybody's happy
1: it's a Very
2: successful uh,
0: mr selfridge runs into mr crab who's walking with the big hatted woman yes uh and it turns out this is the long vaunted mrs crab and yeah like, let's just change the name of the store to mrs crabs and be done with it <laughs> she's clearly the only opinion that matters <laughs> uh but she's actually behind her is some beleaguered looking <laughs> person yeah and i'm like i'm not sure if that's your servant or the stores right just box Boxes, upon yeah. box <laughs> and uh she's saying oh you know she she bought something from nearly every department and oh it is good to shop isn't it and <laughs> I'm like why are you asking him he owns the store and pays your husband's salary <laughs> right of course it's good to shop <laughs> yeah uh but you know they all laugh and they're like ha 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 this was great
1: yeah yeah <sighs> Yeah, and then we see the new window. It does look
0: pretty snazzy. Which
1: does, and does have like hundreds of shoes. And
0: hundreds of people are like looking at the window. Yeah, they've never again, s- seriously, <laughs> nobody invent TV. These people are going nuts.
1: They've never seen so many shoes. They've just
0: never seen shoes. <laughs> They're all standing out there barefooted. <laughs> Uh, but as they're doing that, Doris is fighting her way through the crowd, mm-hmm. uh, where she meets up with Miss Bunting, and she, you know, has to tell Miss Bunting that Mister Selfridge wouldn't budge on the the reference. Right. Here's these clothes, yeah. Uh, and then you know, Doris is like, "I have to go," and we get a very sad shot of Miss Bunting that also made us cry.
1: Yeah, it's it's true. Yeah, we also see there's there's more shots of the sale. These these were kind of interweaved, and and we see at one point, uh, uh, Fat Thomas. You know, watching the people eating his ice cream, you know, proudly, um, which you would think he would have to be in the Palm Court working. Since they
0: said it was going to be really busy anyway,
1: right? Uh, but I think it, at Selfridge's, if you come up with a clever idea, you get fifteen minutes off to gaze at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good incentive program, actually. That's Actually, a good point. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Mr. Crab comes into Mr. Selfridge's office mm-hmm. and and shows him the takings from the day. He says right. that uh, every department, I think doubled or did i miss something
1: uh yeah or had a I doubled or something like that but also we saw mr woolworth come in oh, during the sale right.
0: he did yeah and harry was like oh you made it and he was like uh you know i just stopped in uh we are delaying the opening because his wife is uh, she needs, she needs a rest, you know, her nerves, yeah, you know yeah. how she gets. Right. So she's clearly got a history of like anxiety and depression, which mm-hmm. has been hinted at. Right. Right. You know, the whole thing but it's like, oh, this is like a serious problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and he gives him this whole little lecture about, you know, this is all great, but without family, it doesn't mean anything.
0: And, and Harry looks really confused. Like, but I have a family. Right. And, right. A, and an evil portrait. <laughs> I, I, I've got it all.
1: Uh, <laughs> a dumb son an evil portrait what more could i ask for
0: my daughter's satan for god's sakes satan himself you really think that he would have done better initially maybe satan doesn't like
1: him it's possible
0: (laughs) satan's satan's pulling for the crabs he's like one day mrs crab this will all be yours (laughs) We'll take Gordon down together. We'll rule Selfridges as Satan and
2: Crab.
1: <laughs> Satan and Crab, a new sitcom. <laughs> They're the original odd couple. <laughs> I would watch that. Uh, yes.
0: And so would people in in England.
1: <laughs> but so the point is that uh, Mr. Crab is eagerly telling him about all the, you know, exciting financial results of the sale and is going to go enter it into the ledger but uh mr Selver is like you know what no go home with mrs crab there'll be time for that later let's you
0: can see her surprises <laughs> yeah mr, mr. crab says she said something about an automatic nutcracker <laughs> that's right
1: <laughs> what <laughs> yeah Oh, well, what does that even mean? Automated, like it goes around and finds <laughs> nuts itself? Yeah, like, it's what? like a Roomba. <laughs> what? I didn't think that Nutcracker technology had that much farther to advance. Uh, I
0: well, Tom, they didn't have TV. Uh, it was like the sham. Wow!
1: <laughs> let's all gather around and watch our automated Nutcracker. Look out! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> save the evil painting it's sprouted legs and it's running away on its own <laughs> satan and crab we'll be right back
1: <laughs> back at the selfridges
0: oh my god yeah girl i am not prepared for this but let's talk about it anyway
1: well uh yeah because guess who's back but roddy temple and he is roddy
0: the rodent temple
1: that's right is there with all of these Selfridge children uh he apparently spent 10 minutes learning magic tricks Mm -hmm. and is like pulling a coin out from behind his head like he's fucking jesus christ himself
0: (laughs) 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 when the pastor said jesus was good he didn't mean you roddy temple
1: (laughs) yeah uh and so of course uh rose again furious as she should be uh, and I just, like, and Roddy's like, you can't keep me away. You won't tell your husband all this stuff. I just don't eat what's your end game at this point? Like, what do you think? Because it seems
0: like he's so mad at her. Like, why would you even want to have sex?
1: Yeah, like, what? Like, you're not going to end up married to her? Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah,
0: you're a painter.
1: Yeah. I, like, I, does
0: he want to just, like, sex up Rosalie as revenge? Like, it's just terrible.
1: Yeah, it's really terrible. No,
0: and she's like, get out of here. And he's like, no. And I'm also like, can't you at least tell Fraser to deny him entry? Like, although I guess if she told Fraser to deny him entry, right, Fraser then, would then possibly mention it
1: to Harry. Yeah, like, but like, yeah, but, on, what
0: are butlers for but keeping secrets for your husband?
1: Yeah. Well, you can just blame it all on the inappropriate drawing lesson. And the alcohol. I mean, he's a painter. Yeah. What's what's so weird about saying, don't let this paint in my house? <laughs>
0: Unless he's here to paint the walls. Oh, right. That's a different kind of painting. <laughs>
1: yes yeah and then we get one last scene with mr selfridge running into some guy on the street and exchanging a few words <laughs> no, like he's just... He
0: just he's just like hey and then that that's
1: that's, <laughs> and that's the end of the episode so
2: whatever yeah.
1: right
0: yeah so those are uh episodes seven and eight mm-hmm. looking forward to the finale that's right what's going to happen but there's
1: a there's a lot up in the air
0: there is a lot up in the air
1: yeah there's...
0: lady lady may's legs probably <laughs>
1: she's uh usually on top when we see her that's actually true, actually well yeah.
0: everybody likes to change it up everyone that's in a while.
1: that's true enough
0: all right well thank you again for joining us for this supersized recap of mr selfridge mm-hmm. we will be back in two weeks with the exciting finale and so until next time up, up yours downstairs. downstairs luncheon out